Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Richard, you you goddamn dirty ape. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> uh, I, um, I, I'm good. We're recording this a little bit earlier than we usually yes. do, um, which is very exciting because mm. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow and then we're going to be in the same city for about... 24 mm. hours and then you mm-hmm. gotta go and then i'm getting on a plane and leaving yeah, the so city. i'm gonna be in your city without i'm gonna be a up up shit creek without a richard nice thank you uh yeah that's that's a good uh good reference there thank you so much um, what are we here to talk about today well we're here to talk about a film franchise because this is film franchise fortnights on the cold pop your podcast of course. This is a podcast we've been doing for a long time now. And if you don't know how it works, if this is your first time, which it could be, this is a relatively, you know, if you've, if you've only just heard of the podcast and you're looking for an episode to dive into, I could expect this would be a good entry-level one. Um, so what this is, is that this is Film Franchise Fortnite, where every fortnight we watch an entire film franchise and then we get together to discuss that franchise on this little podcast and sometimes we have to split it up across multiple weeks which we usually try to do not by amount yeah yeah but we we don't usually split them up by like even numbers we split them up by like what feels right which is why as we're about to find out numbers yeah (laughs) as we're about to find out why we're doing planet of the apes as uh what is it six and three of (laughs) the six and three yeah yeah it's funny going with um yeah yeah that i could have just said um uh odd numbers Right. But I decided to go with wacky. Instead. What is an odd number if not wacky? Exactly. I should probably um, soundproof this room a little bit more. I'm just, I'm hearing it now. Okay, well, you can do that now. I'm, he- oh, I'm going to. <laughs> All right, he's back. He's got a blanket over top of him. It feels like we're in a, a, a we're in a sleepover and we've, we're telling each other secrets under the blanket. Yeah, I um, I have two blankets that I normally soundproof my room with. Yeah, I cannot find either of them. <laughs> well, it's it, it's very loose fitting. Make sure it doesn't brush the microphone. Yeah, that'd be my only comment. But I'm also only looking at a very specific perspective of this through the Zoom window, so maybe it, it's not as bad where you are. If you were to see this in real life, you'd be like, "He's got it." That's professional. By God, by God, he's nailed it. Yeah, essentially, I, I have what I've done is I've got a dressing gown, um, and I've draped it over my head and over the computer. And I can't, screen. I can't see you. 
Can't see your face. I can't see the screen. <laughs> All right. Um, we're here today to talk about Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I think, which is a um, oh fucking hell, this is so dumb. This is I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> it's not going to. It's objectively not going to work. Okay. Let's get through at least one movie with good audio, <sighs> and then people will be hooked. All right. So, Planet of the Apes. Um, what we're talking about today is the original series of films, which is uh, the five films: Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and we're also going to be discussing Tim Burton's remake, uh, which is just called Planet of the Apes. And you might think that that's a strange order. Why not uh, do Tim Burton's with the other sort of reboots or remakes next week? Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is that the the trilogy of Rise, Dawn, War sort of feel like their own thing and it fa- didn't feel right mm. to talk about them distilled down with with tim burden's film that's the thing it's such a pure trilogy and mm. you know we don't get those pure trilogies although there is a fourth one being planned um so spoilers hey, what can you do <laughs> uh, okay so planet of the apes came out in 1968 what is it about all right it is about a uh space shuttle that has a, a few people on it and uh, they've been sent into into space and something like 300 years has supposedly passed and then they land on this mysterious planet. What creatures are in, is it inhabited by? <laughs> it's inhabited by apes, yeah. So they've been in hypersleep. So for them, they have, they've barely aged like maybe six months, but the rest of the world and human history has gone on without them. And they, mm. they well, crash. You say the rest of the world, but it's it's a different world. Of course, it's a different it's a whole, world. It's a whole different planet. Of, of apes. apes yeah where ape apes are the kind of dominant species on this planet mm. and th- eventually charlton heston's uh taylor is the only uh human who's kept alive and it's sort of the story about yeah. how he convinces these two chimpanzees that he's you know an intelligent being he's a good dude he's a good dude whilst the rest of the ape community which is mainly made up of gorillas and orangutans uh refuse to believe it i mentioned chimpanzees so chimpanzees gorillas and orangutans make up the society yeah okay sorry and they they uh yeah eventually he escapes and uh sort of forms a bond with the two main chimps while also defeating the 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 snide and proud dr zayas who's an orangutan um and decides that he's going to uh gallop off on a horse into the and you know find his own destiny off on the mm. planet away from from being imprisoned by the apes away from the apes only to discover richard in a plot twist that i had no idea about and i'm sure spoilers for planet of the apes because this is a big mm. deal uh, this will ruin the film it turns out that it was earth all along he finds the remnants mm-hmm. of the statue of liberty surmising that man did in fact destroy itself in the future yeah and did you know that's actually not the intended message of the film the filmmakers actually when they made when they made that ending they just thought like oh it'd be funny if they had a statue as well um, but right. then test audiences were like, "Oh, so you meant it was Earth?" And they were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." They had, it, but it's not a statue of an ape. No, that didn't happen at all. 
Uh, I made that up. I will say, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's very, feels like very, like... It's a very stupid thing to say, Richard. <laughs> not a stupid thing, but, like, <laughs> it's uh, it feels very much intended. you got to take this dressing mm. gown down, man. This is freaking me right. out. Well, this is giving me anxiety. You, the audience, are now hooked. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say this. I, I was kidding when I said I'd never heard of this ending. Obviously, it's one of the most well-publicized movie twists of all time. Yeah, especially it's the, because it's the DVD is, cover of, yeah, of, yeah, the episode, of, yeah, the, of the episode of the movie. It's it's such a it's such a well-known twist that it's pretty hard to actually mm. watch this movie without looking through it. Like, to, to watch this movie and not know it was Earth all along, it sounds yeah. so foreign to me. What a concept. But yeah, yeah. I will say this, until watching it this time, I had always thought that the implication was that the apes blew up the planet. Right, And right. that that the statement, you maniacs, you blew it up, goddamn you to hell, he was talking to the apes. He's saying, you you goddamn apes, you blew up uh, humanity. Interesting, interesting. But it's not, because yeah. it, the whole idea is like, and the fo- it's very 60s sci-fi, I mean, very... 2020 sci-fi as well i guess which mm. is like this is i think it's just sci-fi yeah like just that just that like foreboding like humans will be the death of themselves kind of yeah, thing for sure hmm. yeah um a fun thing about that so you mentioned the the line the famous like they blow it up yeah god damn you and so obviously this was in uh the late 60s 1968 this came out and um you know this was this was back when you know, swearing was a little bit on 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 screen, and so the saying "God damn" is like, and the censors like they they had to successfully argue to the censors that he's not using the Lord's name in vain. He's actually asking God to damn them. Yeah, yeah. Which is so funny. That well, he like, is no, like, like yeah. I, I yeah, would exactly. Argue that, but that's that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 so funny nowadays to be like, no, no, he literally means that. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck you, no, no, he's actually saying like, have sex with you, it's fine. <laughs> even though even though with the MPAA you have to argue it the other way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, earlier in the film he says, uh, "Get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape." So that's also. Mm. Well, it's more about the the goddamn you to hell is more about the blasphemy rather than right. the use of damn. Damn is still in the 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 camp of blasphemy though i'm not arguing with yeah, you sure. i'm arguing i'm arguing with the 60s censorship yeah. board <laughs> yeah anyway i'm gonna i'm um, for this episode as well i'm gonna crack open a bottle of wine okay planet of fun. the bloody uh good times over here planet of the grapes <laughs> planet of the grapes of course it was fucking right there i could have i was like no no word relevant to wine will rhyme with a don't even try <laughs> <laughs> oh man um had you seen planet of the apes before mm. Mm. i haven't seen the movie but i'm bloody living on the planet of grapes right now <laughs> I'll bet. i can tell <laughs> i'm over here living on the planet of the japes <laughs> because i'm laughing at you <laughs> uh, um i hadn't seen this movie before it's it's weird i was actually thinking the other day because i hadn't seen this movie before but since watching it i'm now like had I seen that before, or is or is a week ago my earliest memory of it? You know, or like, did I just see this on The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't seen it before, mm. and it, it was cool watching it because there's obviously aside from the twist, there's other stuff that you know, like the name Doctor Zayas, the um, from The Simpsons. 
And also the the get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Yeah. Which is one of those things that because it's it's um it's one of those like classic lines they bring back in, in other iterations of the film. Yeah. But it's so powerful that first time, and it's one of those ones that in context you're like, Oh, this is why it stood the test. Because of time. it's the first thing he's spoken to ape ape to public at large. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because his his throat's like wounded and um and he and he and he's mute for a good portion of the film, and and the apes just assume he's some other slightly more intelligent human that can't yeah, still but can't but, speak. but had, does, obviously doesn't have the power of speech. Come on, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he's he's being jostled by the apes, and he says, "Get just stinking bars off me, you damn dirty ape!" And that's actually like the oh fuck, yeah, kind it's of fucking and, powerful. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I I had never seen this before. I've the only apes media I think I had properly seen, and the gets, is MVP <laughs> is no. Well, I have now. Um, was uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was the only one I properly not sat even Rise. Through. Haven't seen. I've again at least four or five of these films we'll be talking about over the next two weeks. I've I've been in the room while they've been on, but I've never right. like Dawn's the only one I I my friend worked at the cinema and he got me in for free and I was like, sure, I'll go see yeah. the sequel to the sequel trilogy I don't know anything about. We'll talk more about that next week. But yeah, the the Planet of the Apes when did it come out? Nineteen sixty eight. Sixty eight. Yep. One year before the moon landing. Yeah, and in uh one of the sequels they mention the moon landing as this like yeah, it's historical like, landmark yeah they're like and the biggest piece of news since the moon landing the last which happened years. like two years earlier <laughs> yeah um yeah so uh this but this is one of those movies where it's like it is such a fucking cornerstone of your pop cultural upbringing that it kind of feels like you've seen it i've seen the statue mm. of liberty thing parodied countless of times and like i said it's yeah. it's probably the the most uh widely publicized film twist in, in film history i don't think anyone's going mm. to get mad at you for telling for for spoiling that because it's, yeah it's so obvious well not obvious yeah but it's so. funny um because also just coincidentally a few weeks ago i watched Soylent Green, mm. which is another Charlton Heston movie, which the twist of it is more famous than the film itself. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the film, but I know the twist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, so you can't. I kind of went into into Planet of the Apes thinking like. This could be one of those 60s movies we watch where I'm like, look, I get it. It's just not for me. But it wasn't. Look, it was the 60s, baby. <laughs> I, it, was, it, it was one of those 60s movies that I was like, this is fucking great. The whole And I was surprised uh, outside of the twist and the get your paws off me line how much I didn't really know about the film. Um, mm. I didn't know that a lot of it is like this courtroom drama. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that, yeah. that a lot of it is is essentially a um very early well i guess mid 20th century critique on like the separation of church and state like had no idea mm. that's essentially <laughs> what this movie's message is um and yeah I and just, it's obviously all these racial undertones yeah as well. for sure and i i yeah. loved it the um the part that i didn't know and, and it, was, it was almost cooler than the 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 Statue of Liberty twist is the way that um, Charlton Heston uh, Taylor, the way he proves to Dr. Zayas that humans 
were once intelligent and that apes actually evolved into humans is they find they first of all they find a an archaeological dig that you know proves that humans were around before and there's a Mm. little doll there and dr zayas is like whatever doesn't it doesn't actually mean anything we give child apes dolls of humans as well and then they the one of the like the more uh primitive humans is playing with it and it goes and that's the smoking gun is why would an ape make a human doll that can talk and i was like that's Mm. great what a what a Mm. brilliant way to to prove your argument there you know and i i thought that was so good i thought charlton heston was incredible in it and then uh five days later found out that uh, apparently not my kind of guy so feeling very conflicted <laughs> on that right now um but no i i just i like five stars for me this is a, this is one of those five star movies for me i just thought yeah. this was so good i mean yeah and, and I, i'm someone who gives out five stars like their candy and the whole world of babies <laughs> and i just i just give it to them um it's it's taking it and you're the, the sugar part, terrorist but... that's determined on giving every baby <laughs> cavities <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so I gave this four and a half stars. <laughs> um, <laughs> just didn't quite do it for me, mate. No, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a good movie, but um, I, I I did feel it dragged in places. It, it like, but in classic nineteen sixty eight cinema kind of ways, you know. Mm. Um, like, it's not like I have anything massive to knock the film on. It's just like, oh yeah, product it's of just the time two, a little two bit. hours long or over two hours long. Exactly. Yeah, but um, the the makeup in this film uh what did you think of the the way the apes are made up i think that it's it's interesting because it's it's it works in this one it works in this one because i am not given any other context i am told this is what the apes look like at this point in the future and in my brain mm. i can go well First of all, they're when, not actually apes. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I don't. But that's it, right? That you're not. That you're not like. They're not actually supposed to look like what we know as apes today. They've evolved to look like this, basically. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. what apes look like in the future. And on top of that, theoretically, you're supposed to watch this movie thinking it's a out, you know, another planet. So maybe this is what apes look like on that planet because it is. It is a very valiant effort in terms of makeup, and I sincerely mean that. That is, it's great. It's it's they're very clearly still humans and their lips don't really articulate the words they're saying but their mouths still bob up and down when they're talking and it's like it's, yeah the, the the mouth the this the, the mouth flap is is funny isn't it yeah uh so i didn't i it worked for me in this because i at no point was told that i'm supposed to see these as how every other ape looks hmm. whereas the sequels make it uh sharp turn uh, you know a mistake i think in that regard but we'll get to that yeah. um but fun fact about this did you know it wasn't nominated for best makeup at the oscars why not because that would not be a category for another um 13 years 13 years jesus yeah. christ 1981 was makeup- the first um oh my the god the first winner of it fun fact was an american werewolf in london it took that long to get yeah. the, uh, such an obvious fucking award into the, yeah. the oscars oh my god um but john chambers who did the um the makeup for this film won an oscar an honorary oscar um for the achievement in makeup for this film right okay we oh, like, oh right so at those oscars 
Yeah, so at the 1968 Oscars. Oh, okay. Because they, they, they do honorary Oscars every, yeah. every now and then. And um, like Alfonso Cuaron won one recently for um, like a VR film he did. Right. And so it's like these ones where it's like, there's no specific category for this, but good on you for doing <laughs> the best in that field. You'd think after giving this guy an Oscar for, for best makeup for Planet of the Apes that they'd go... You know, it's a pretty good uh, award to to give out mm. every year. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, and so John Chambers as well, and actually this will come back later, um, was involved in the Argo, the, the, the true caper that Argo is based right. on. He was the one who was hired to do all the makeup for that. Well, there you go. Yeah. Who plays him in the movie? Uh, no one. They. they I, this was going to be for later, but in in homage to his contribution, uh, Ben Affleck's character Rick Men- Menendez gets the idea to do the caper by watching Battle of the Planet of the Apes on TV. Ah, okay, all right. It feels like you could have also just put him in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe he is. Like, this is just one fucking scene. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so uh, a name that might come up later on, but it's worth mentioning, a guy called Arthur P. Jacobs is like the Kevin Feige of the series that it's mm-hmm. like, or the um, that guy from Nightmare on Elm Street that we didn't mention until we covered the behind the scenes documentary. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, they, they're kind of like the main producer behind all of these films. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, yeah, he uh, did not... Uh, no like consciously he wasn't consciously aware of the film's racial undertones until sammy davis jr pointed them out to him interesting and what is the what is the discourse around the racial undertones on of, from you know in, in planet of the apes um what it, it becomes a lot more of a thing in like later films when you're actually talking about like these ones are kept as slaves and their yeah uprising kind of thing and so that's when it's like because because here it's like oh you know you've got two different races and it's like mm. it was happening i i put i put a bit too much flavor on the word races just then um <laughs> you got two different races hey. um, it's like you've got two different races and they don't get along yeah. and that's kind of like whereas later on when they actually talk about like indigenous servitude and and yeah. things like that and that's that's when it becomes a little bit harder to ignore but uh yeah i, I, I mean, bring it up yeah. because there is a troubling implication to this because out of all the animals you could choose to be an allegory for racism like apes is probably the the most offensive one you you can choose right like because <laughs> yeah. you know that's that's an offensive uh what's the word i'm trying to be very careful by saying you know like if you if you if you're making you're not a, the first person to say that yeah if you're making a um a film that's a, that's a metaphor for racism and one of the characters is an animal that the uh affected minority are are you know racistly compared or have been compared to in the past like hmm. it's it's i i want because because so like most of the it'd heroes- be like if you're making like um a film about like cops and it was planet of the pigs <laughs> yeah it'd be exactly like that. <laughs> thank you uh tyler perry for uh, <laughs> making that comparison <laughs> at the oscars um like i guess i guess i just wonder what people who are more sensitively attuned to this kind of thing than i am like 
is this a is this a bad thing is it a good thing the way that this metaphor tracks because like i've heard some really interesting commentaries on zootopia because zootopia is like very intentionally a mm. an allegory for discrimination but also in zootopia the discrimination is between predator and prey which yeah, actually, it's, and it's completely with, warranted yeah same with x-men and so mm. this is this feels a little bit more tactless and i would if if someone if someone's pitching a movie to me and they're like and it's a metaphor for racism and it's about man versus ape i'd be like ah maybe make it um penguins like <laughs> maybe make it an <laughs> animal that doesn't have like these connotations with it I guess. although to be fair in the first film uh like the the apes are the the majority the superior the, yeah not the superior otherwise but like they're, they're the, the the dominant race mm. and then it's the humans that are yeah you know like and so it's it's, it's actually kind of like the the white man is mm. the ape yeah that's true yep you're right yeah and then and then fortunately we've got <laughs> you know charlton heston to to <laughs> to play the kind of the, the the leader of the of the uprising of the minority so, group so tell me what's the deal with charlton heston because i think this is very fascinating uh well okay so in in the 50s and 60s he was like one of very few actors to speak out against racism and yeah. um was an active supporter of like civil rights movements and whatnot uh, in 1971, he left the Democratic Party and became a Republican uh, and started supporting Ronald Reagan. Um, he founded a conservative political action committee, apparently. Um, and then Christ. he was five-term president of the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Five from terms? 98, for, uh, from 98 to 2003, which is, what, only like five years. So a term is a year, I guess. Uh, yeah, he up until he publicly announced he had alzheimer's and uh then retired from acting and the nra and yeah he, he had this this whole catchphrase he's like, dead now right he's dead he died in 2008 right yeah he had this whole catchphrase of like from my cold dead hands and if you've watched the documentary bowling for columbine that's like a whole part of that because like in columbine the nra was doing like a rally and charlton heston was there and it was like this whole big thing that you know there was the shooting and then they said maybe we shouldn't have a fucking gun rally right next door Mm. and child heston's like from my cold dead hands uh and then in the film michael moore like goes to child heston's house and it just follows him around and is like you know what why'd you do this kind of thing and and what should be like a a big fuck yeah kind of moment where it's like you take him down. It's like, this is just a very old man who's very unaware of his surroundings. He hadn't publicly revealed at that time he had Alzheimer's, but he clearly, you know, wasn't quite all there mentally. Um, and instead it's just like Michael Moore's just bullying an old man, um, following him around his house. And he like he essentially breaks into his house from memory. And it's, um, yeah, it's just a very uncomfortable scene. In what should be the big fuck here kind of finale, where it's like yeah. take down that he's going for his his Sasha time. Baron Cohen esque takedown mm. of a of a yeah right. I think um I think that's very fascinating because it reminds me a little bit of how J.K. Rowling created an entire generation of people who are tolerant of different types of people before revealing she wasn't. It's like mm. how do you deliver the line? 
you blew it up, you maniacs, you god goddamn you all to hell. How do you deliver a line which which uh, encompasses like human existential dread and uh, being aware of the danger of man, and then become the leader of the NRA or whatever? It's like it's such a yeah. it's it's such a blind thing to do because it's like this this is a movie about what happens when hmm. you'd have this kind of thing i guess he doesn't necessarily have to believe what he's what he's acting but it's still it's so impassioned and and full-on you would, you would hope he he you know believes hmm. some of it yeah it's um good actor though eh? great actor my god what a performance. <laughs> i think i just think planet of the apes i loved it so much because it is it's almost like um the the stock image of sci-fi to me like it's such right, a yeah, yeah. it's such a pure it's got a watermark across it pu- yeah it's such a pure pure sci-fi it's like what you look up when you look up sci-fi right because it's like mm. it's all about exploration it's all about being human it's all about the dangers of of yada you know all the stuff we've talked about already like it's it's so and it's, NRA. yeah yeah and, but also it's also got that conversation about state and church and state in it and it's like hmm. this is this is so sci-fi and if you haven't seen it by the way the reason it's about church and state is because the scientists are, are also sworn to this sacred text which says you know all the all the stuff about humans that, that they they are they are subservient to ape and um that apes are not allowed to go out to the forbidden zone which is where he eventually discovers the statue of liberty like it's essentially a film about scientific progress being halted for the sake of faith and religion tradition yeah right and like Mm. that's so sci-fi it's so good so good (laughs) yeah uh well i didn't mention it as well at the start but this is directed by franklin j uh schaffner uh and what do you think it has a ron tomatoes a hundred percent way off wow tell me 87 that's way off you're right <laughs> this is one of those old movies that could have a hundred percent because it, it's one of those old movies you know yeah yeah sure fun fact about this as well rod selling of the twilight zone fame uh wrote or did contributed to the script and the twist was his idea it's it's such a twilight zone thing i saw mm. someone we are oh, there there was a video from royal ocean film society a video essay by them where they talked about remix culture so things like the snyder cut but also like the the three-hour version of the hobbit and stuff like that and there's a whole right. website and community for these ones and one of them is the planet of the apes as a 20-minute twilight zone episode oh nice so so there you go that's cool because it, yeah, it is a twilight zone episode like everything about oh, it exactly yeah 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 the the uh the twist because this is based on a novel as well um le planet de songe uh, oh. which is a french book um and it's in the original uh book as well this may or may not come up again later <laughs> but the the film the the book ends with taylor the the protagonist returning to earth and finding it's overrun with apes and the implication being that the um the earth has also gone through the same evolution kind of thing right so it's not that it's the same planet it's that it's... no no he, he leaves and returns to earth which is now almost identical to le planet de songe 
sounds like a very complicated ending that's got an extra mm. step in there that the movie wisely cuts out yeah <laughs> i did not know this is based on a book that's really interesting yeah and it's um as well they, they also talk they toyed with a bunch of different uh positions for the the beach uh for, for the for the statue of liberty one was like in a jungle mm. you know with, with just like above her nose sticking out of the ground and and things like that but i think the beach is just such an iconic shot but it was always the statue of liberty yeah yeah yeah, yeah. What else could it be? If this was if if the ser- if the movie took place in future New Zealand, would it be the, like the chalice? Yeah, the Christchurch chalice. Oh my god! I was gonna say like the Sky Tower, or whatever. That's much funnier. Imagine me. <laughs> I'm I'm the last human alive on the planet of the apes, and I'm walking along a beach, and I see the Christchurch chalice. Which, if you don't see, if you haven't seen, if you don't live in Christchurch, it's this ugly fucking piece of artwork that's yeah. been in our I remember when square. they built it and it was like this oh, it's been there for like 20 years maybe a little bit less uh, and it's yes. it's like this I don't know how how tall is it 30 feet tall uh, chalice it's literally the chalice a, crusher. look up the Christchurch chalice you can see the, the, our town's local shame <laughs> and I, I like see that on a beach somewhere in the distant future and I'm like you maniacs I mean it was never that good but I, and I'm kind of glad it's it's damaged now but you blew uh, it up <laughs> I, I, I I saw that when I when I saw it for the first time I was like you maniacs <laughs> you built this fucking ugly thing oh that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> uh so this was followed up uh two years later this this being the film not the uh the chalice uh beneath the planet of the apes that came out in 1970 directed by ted post and what do you think it has over on tomatoes 40 38 very close it's this is a famously bad sequel mm, i'm uh, glad this is, this to is one that. of those ones there, there's a couple uh, there's um yeah at least one more in here that's like one of those uh, you, uh, older people would be like oh yeah like, you know they talk about the same way we talk about like suicide squad right because Not that that's a necessarily a sequel but one of those yeah, like yeah. A, a go-to example of a bad film right because overall i knew nothing about the series i didn't even know what they were called until i was halfway through watching them <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i was halfway through battle before i realized it came after conquest <laughs> um <laughs> And, Which I hadn't watched. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> this, yeah, so so I, I don't really know much about them, but all I'd been told is like, first one's great, the series is fucking boring. And I was like, oh, really? And I started this one and like... Uh, it immediately starts with the story follows another space shuttle that was following Taylor and also lands on the planet. With a discount Charlton Heston as the pilot. He looks exactly like... Why would you he cast was car- He was cast because he looked like Charlton Heston. That's stupid. That's the stupidest <laughs> yeah. thing ever. You, that's yeah, what you Char- should Charlton Heston refused to come back. or so He, he didn't want to come back because he, he doesn't like sequels, period. Um, and he thought the story was done kind of thing. But then he negotiated to come back. He's like, but you have to kill my character and I'm going to donate my salary to charity. He was so good. What a good guy. Mm. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. This was this was two years before uh, he switched to the Republican Party. Did he get a head injury or something? Like, what happened? <laughs> Alt, uh, that, that'll be when his Alzheimer's um, <laughs> oh my God. came on. Um, so... Yeah, so already we're starting with, like, the definition of a derivative sequel 
plot mm. where it's just this, the, the same again. thing but this this recon, recon we didn't tell you about until now yeah. that another ship was after him and it basically follows uh, this- uh, well the, the second ship went to look for taylor yeah and it's, even it, though there was like three other people on the spaceship like i have to find taylor yeah 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 <laughs> It basically follows the same trajectory where he meets the same apes and uh, escapes. And it takes sort of a turn um, towards the end where he goes beneath the planet of the apes into the New York subway Mm. system, which I guess is when he works out that it's Earth. It was Earth all along. Um, And uh, by the way, how iconic is the phrase, it was Earth all along, you know? Like, that's where oh, this yeah. comes from. Think about that for a second, you know? Like, that's that's the Luke, well, I from the Simpsons. No, I know, but, like, when people are talking about <laughs> twists, it's like, he was right. dead the whole time, or it was Earth all along, is, you know? Right, like, yeah, this yeah. is the, the origin of that. Um, yeah. And beneath the planet of the apes is a a race of uh psychic humans who worship an unexploded nuclear warhead uh and as we all do the apes go to battle find out about them and go to battle and it all ends up in a big battle charlton heston turns up again and it ends with everyone getting killed and charlton heston with his final you know his dying breath um launches the atomic bomb destroying the planet of the apes yeah and it ends with do you have it written down that ends with, so, yeah so it, it it's the whole thing it's without any narrative device right you're just watching it happen mm. and then as it fades to white this narrator comes in and do you have the line what he says yeah and one of the countless billions of galaxies in the universe lies a medium-sized star and one of its satellites a green and insignificant planet is now dead uh, we didn't know how to end our film. Uh, maybe if we put this line, in. it's so funny. Like this is, I I, I kind of dug it, man. It's like <laughs> to me, it was very, it was very Twilight Zoney. That's true, and I think that that's what I liked about it. And it's like, I I think it's a cool line as well. I mm. think it like that just a, a green and insignificant planet, the Earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's like something about it because also it's like you're not expecting the film to just end as well i yeah. think it, 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 it is it's reaching a climax very much and he and he smashes the bomb um or he he it triggers the bomb and you're like oh okay well you know might maybe a couple minutes left mm. you know if we're rushing it and then boom one line of dialogue hey you wanted to do sequels yeah you expect it's got a couple minutes left but then you remember it's a movie from the early 1970s and it literally has yeah. 14 seconds left until the the file yeah. stops playing <laughs> 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 like on, yeah. i actually watched this on disney plus so it's like disney plus has got 14 seconds oh no i didn't watch this one on disney plus did yeah I? yeah because um beneath and conquest i watched on them on disney youtube plus. yeah that's right yeah. uh so I thought uh, maybe maybe I didn't like the line because by this point I was all, already like woof this what is, is going on this yeah. is a bad sequel and I'll tell you why I think it's a bad sequel because uh, the end of the first one is as far as I want to see Taylor I, yeah. he's had his character arc it's that it's that why you don't do a sequel to Casablanca thing it's like I've mm. seen the the culmination of this character arc i don't want to know nor do i care what happens to taylor after this he's learned to lesson he's gone through change we've experienced something with him that's the film i don't know i i can't help you with what this movie should be about if not taylor though but what what it does is that 
it we as soon as the the psychic humans are introduced it's like fuck this is so missing the point like as i said the first one is this movie that that juggles themes of like uh nuclear winter and the 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 folly of man and and religion and stuff and this one's like uh and also the humans are still here and they're psychic and they live beneath them it's very it, it feels it's that yeah. it's that problem that we've talked about a few times on this podcast which is Aladdin is about learning to love yourself. The Return of Jafar is about the Return of Jafar. Like it's a yeah. film which doesn't sequel its themes. It only sequels the plot without any meaning, and it doesn't mean anything. And I just thought it completely stood on the nuts of the first film, basically. <laughs> okay. Um, one th- the thing that that shocked me the most about this film is that. Like how clearly the like a, a massive part of Futurama lore is based <laughs> on beneath the planet of the apes. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure, base it on Planet of the Apes. I don't care. But like <laughs> to have this like fundamental part of your show be based on this movie is so strange. Because of course, beneath New New York and Futurama is the is old New York, which is a, essentially a and mm. Is it is it a reference to Beneath the Planet of the Apes, or is it just a, sheer, a shared idea? You think it is? Okay. Well, and then also the fact that um, mutants live down there yeah, as well. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. It's, yeah, it's the same thing. They also um, reference Beneath the Planet of the Apes in the first episode with mutants. Right. Um, Fry points out that they worship an unexploded nuclear bomb. Right. Okay, never fucking minded, because clearly it is a direct reference that I just forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that and that is mind blowing, and we'll get we'll get into this. I don't want to get into it now. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of pop culture that honors the Planet of the Apes sequels mm. in a way I did not yeah. expect. I thought it was like the first one. The other ones are continuing the brand name, you know. Mm. But they're forgotten. like like I wouldn't have expected anyone to know what happens in the Planet of the Apes sequel, even on our Discord. Yeah. And because this this was a Patreon-suggested franchise, on our Discord, people are talking about the Planet of the Apes sequels like they'd seen them. And I was like, get fucked, you hear <laughs> 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 like, like, that was actually, like, how I was thinking about when they were talking about it. That it's like, you're just parroting some opinion. Because I was like, these, these are all going to be the same fucking film. I thought so. <laughs> like, and boy, were they not the same fucking film. Mm. <laughs> the series goes in a direction that is not what I thought it was going to go in and becomes sort of this like like what the series is like ultimately about is not what I thought the series was at all. Because, mm. yeah, I, I just assumed this was going to be uh, like just shots of like apes jostling humans. Oh, God, there's a moth. <laughs> Planet of the Moths. So that you can oh see the franchise. That's my continue the franchise. A, a <laughs> fucking nightmare. Um, where did that come from? All the windows are shut. Anyway, it's gone now. Um, the moths are coming from gone. inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, I was expecting just shots. Like the whole fucking four sequels to be just apes like jostling humans, shoving them into line, and the humans being like, ah, like, and just that mm. for like seven or eight I, hours i was expecting it's the same setup human from the past arrives in the future but maybe we're mm. in a different location each time like exactly maybe, and especially the way that the, the, when the second film starts you're like okay this is what they are yeah yeah exactly yeah and all the titles as well are like more or less the same thing 
Like mm, yeah, so beneath is very imply. specific, but it still is like it's in a it's doing a new thing. I think beneath is the yeah. coolest title, though. You don't get a lot of films that are beneath the the title the of the previous first film. film. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing, and we'll talk more about the titles later on. Actually, please. But, uh, it's interesting. So the Planet of the Apps became this huge hit. No one saw it coming. Um, and much like so, the nuclear winter of humanity. <laughs> very cool so the 20th century fox started looking around for sequel ideas they asked rod serling um he his ideas didn't excite the studio um they then turned to the the author of the original novel uh pierre bull uh who wrote a draft for a sequel which was called planet of the men no <laughs> absolutely um, which, not this is the first idea you come up with when someone's like quickly come up with a sequel to planet of the apes you're like well, the planet of the men that's <laughs> so obvious yeah uh, well okay i'll need to think of a new one then oh um, <laughs> um, you're, you're like hey jake no, you so- goddamn maniac you blew it up <laughs> you blew up my idea <laughs> so this will be about george Taylor uh, re- leading an uprising um, to take back control. Um, and right. the, it was rejected as they felt it lacked the visual shock and surprise of the original. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. And so they went with the same film, but it had psychic humans in it. Uh, there was one more. So uh, British writer Paul Den was hired to develop a script tentatively titled <laughs> Planet of the Apes Revisited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It doesn't it sounds it's one of those sequel titles that's like this is destined to fail because you're immediately putting a comparison in your mm, sequel yeah. title you know yeah but they um <laughs> part of that story was a a half human half ape child which got through makeup tests uh, <laughs> and then the idea was dr- eventually dropped due to the implication of bestiality but the idea the implication that, of bestiality that the idea that they got <laughs> <laughs> to the point of makeup tests and then they were looking at this like you know probably like an eight or, eight or so year old kid dressed up like with makeup as a monkey and they're like how would this be i get off oh, they would have to fuck <laughs> <laughs> like it took them that long to realize like where babies come from <laughs> um, it's the, the 70s uh, man they didn't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> But the idea um, was was spawned from them thinking that, well, if the Statue of Liberty is half underground, that means New York must be under there somewhere. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well done, guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. what did. Yeah, I just thought it was a pretty dumb movie and, and was worried yeah. that this was uh, going to be indicative of the rest of the series. Uh, and it really <laughs> goes in the next film, which probably should have just been the second one, really takes us in an interesting direction. I Because f- Beneath is the only one you can pluck out of the canon, and it doesn't really affect the series going forward. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you could you could change it up. But um, yeah, the what are we talking about? Now, next we've got Escape from the Planet of the Abyss. This came out one year later. Mm. Um, this is directed by Don Taylor, and what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Hmm, it'll be higher than Beneath. Maybe like it'll be higher than Beneath, but Beneath the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, let's go seventy. Seventy-seven. Mm. Pretty well this episode. Thank you. And so, yeah, what's this one about? 
So the main apes from the first two films, whose names are Zera and Cornelius, uh, mm-hmm. their husband and wife chimpanzees, um, we find out that w- when the planet got exploded, they got they they had found uh, Taylor's crashed ship and got out of there as the planet was exploding, and the sci-fi oogly-boogly explanation is that the uh, nuclear blast threw their ship back in time and they arrive on Earth at present day being 1971. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic setup. Yeah, and uh, it's the opposite of the first film. It's apes, hyper-intelligent apes in a world of humans. Um, Yeah, and then uh, ultimately humans get very mad to find out how humans were treated in the not too distant future mm. uh and so they find out about <laughs> well, it, it, it is distant yeah okay yeah true um well it's I mean, actually uh fun, fun fact about um play of the apes it's now the furthest into the future we've seen on film franchise fortnights overtaking uh jason x i love that that's so cool what about uh hellraiser bloodlines uh no jason x is like uh it's we we discussed this on um oh, I, I gave all the dates I'm on sorry. the previous jason episode we did last year but uh yeah jason x is only like 600 years into the future or something like that right. and how razor bloodline is like 400 and this is a couple thousand yeah um so basically they find out that the humans find out that, that there's going to be like this messiah ape born probably of zera and cornelius who rose up against the humans and so they find out that zera is pregnant and decide they have to kill the, the her ape baby lest that ape become the prophesied one. Uh, and so Cornelius and Zera escape with the help of some humans that like them. Um, they go, they hide out in a circus for a bit uh, and then keep keep running with their baby. The baby's born by this point. Uh, and then ultimately they are caught the humans catch up to them and kill all three of them. They kill Zera, Cornelius, and the baby ape. Uh, until it reveals in the final seconds um, a twist which despite it being pretty signposted i was actually pretty uh taken you know i was hit by it i was twisted by interesting. it interesting which was uh the when they were at the circus they switched the babies so they switched the hyper intelligent prophecy jesus yeah. monkey for uh, sorry i'm not supposed to say monkey chimp um <laughs> for for a, a regular dumb chimp and so the, <laughs> the one with the power of speech which is sort of the power of speech is to planet of the apes which of what the power of your name is to death note so it's like like that's the hallmark you know that's that's what yeah. separates man from ape is the power of speech and so it ends with this little baby chimp in the circus going mama <laughs> And I thought it was, I, what a great ending, you know? Yeah, it's a great ending, but my God, the way it's done is fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. it's They've got a shot of an ape opening its mouth and they just play that over and over again. And like they play it and reverse it, play it and reverse it. So it's going uh, 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 like opening its mouth up and down. And then they put mama, mama over top of it. And it's like for a movie that I fucking loved, um the 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 ending was such a like funny Mm. bad ending um Mm. just in terms of filmmaking and uh it's funny you mentioned about the twist because i i assumed that it already like the the switching the babies um because there's a shot like she has the baby then you see the other ape 
in the in the circus that regulate a dumb monkey as you called it um with its uh ape child and i thought i'd missed when they swapped <laughs> yeah it, and i, I was think, like oh okay so they must have swapped i must have just not been paying attention when yeah. they swapped i think the concept of it, it was floating in my head but when the right, the yeah. baby monkey get the baby ape gets shot at the end i didn't go oh they're fine they've swapped babies yeah, i was like oh yeah, shit sure. I was still like, oh, fuck, they shot a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but rewind, Richard, did you just say that you fucking loved this movie? Let's talk I about did. our opinions of this movie. <laughs> uh, let's not. Okay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> uh, no, so this was followed by Conquest. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this this movie, I... I Again, like coming from the place of like, oh, we've just seen Battle and it's like what you would expect a sequel to Planet of the Apes to be. And then being like, well, what do you do after that? Like, Mm. okay, everyone survives, but they're mutated and now the apes turn back into humans or something. Mm. But no, it's like, oh, set it in fucking modern day and have uh, it's such a good idea. And then, and the reveal that essentially like we're now getting because there's the reboot trilogy which we all know about is coming next week is that like that's a remake of the second half of the franchise blew it's my insane. mind what a fucking like interesting franchise that's the real that, twist, it is, is that it is. The, the probably by and large not necessarily more popular but more pop culturally relevant part of the series is a remake of these films i as i said i haven't seen properly rise but i've seen a scene in rise of the planet of the apes that is described in this film cornelius yeah. describes a scene that happens in rise of the planet of the apes and mm. I've, I've only ever seen this happen once richard get ready everybody for an obscure reference which was uh new zealand in new zealand and uh, like uh maybe 15 years ago there was like one of the only popular new zealand tv dramas ever made was made and it's called outrageous fortune it's about a west auckland family and it's like a it's like a, a parallel shakespearean was it? it's like hamlet is it it's like hamlet but set in west auckland no clue you never watched uh, it? i have I've, I've never seen a single like second of outrageous fortune well, despite like you said it's one of our most famous pop yeah. culture exports o- outrageous fortune is a line from hamlet is it not slings and arrows of oh outrageous yeah the slings fortune. and arrows of outrageous fortune yeah. yeah so every episode's named after a hamlet quote right so it's hamlet but oh, with a, a west auckland crime family so already it's a cut above every other new zealand that. tv awesome. show exactly because it's like this cool uh you know shakespearean story I don't necessarily think it's very good and I haven't watched all of it. Uh, but there's a scene that I started watching it in 2015, which is well after it had finished because a spin-off to it, which was a, a prequel series called West side had just come out. And I watched the first episode of that and was like, I should watch outrageous fortune in tandem with West side, you know, and that this is a whole lot of explanation to say that in an episode of outrageous fortune, no, in an episode, in the second episode of West Side, you see um, the main girl character, or the main uh, played by Antonia Preble, um, cheating on her husband with a woman, right? And it's like the scene at the start of like the second episode of West Side, and then in like the twelfth episode of Outrageous Fortune, the grandpa character who, when he was younger, was the husband of this character who's cheating 
in the in in West Side, um, talks about how her friend, whatever her name is, would come over and they'd always be alone. And it's the joke is like he didn't realize his wife was bisexual. And but you saw it, you see it happening in West Side, but I saw it in reverse. So I saw mm. the thing the original was referencing before I saw the refer the 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 original. And and same yeah. with with Planet of the Apes is that I yeah like. It, it is i i you i am so used to being in a time where these distant reboots or distant sequels ignore everything after the first one you've got you know jurassic park terminator god terminator anything after terminator 2 is terminator 3 again and it's so interesting <laughs> yeah. that rise of the planet of the apes and and the the whole reboot trilogy despite more being a prequel to a movie that hasn't been made yet as opposed to a prequel to mm. Well, a prequel, yeah, a, pre- a prequel to a remake that hasn't been made. Um, that it's it's more uh, it's honoring the sequels that I didn't think anyone has seen more than yeah. the original in the weird way, and it gets even more intense with with the the further sequels. Yeah. So um, in this film, we've got um, uh, Roddy McDowell returns to the role of Cornelius after playing him in the first film, but not in the second film. Uh, mm. And then due to scheduling conflicts, and then he also would then play uh, Caesar in the next two films. Yeah. Um, Who, by Roddy the way, McDowell, Caesar was not invented for the reboot trilogy. Mind mm. blowing. See, uh, Roddy McDowell, do you recognize that name? Have you seen I, him anywhere else? God, I recognize the name, Richard. And every time I saw it in the credits, I was like, what's Roddy McDowell? And I recognized that name and I never looked it up. So it's one of those names that I, I, um, I, I feel like I've heard it on the Simpsons, like in, in, in a joke, I'm going to search Frankie Eck, um, which is essentially searching the transcript of every episode of the Simpsons. Um, there's <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Peeper. <laughs> Um, and, uh, when, when, yeah, no, it's not, it's not in the Simpsons, but, uh, Roddy McDowell plays Peter Vincent in the original Fright Nights. Ah, of course he does. Yes. That, that very, yeah. very distinctive voice. Um, yeah. So. And, and, and there's, and because also just fuck, he's so good in these movies. Oh yeah. Very powerful. He's incredible. And, and and the thing you mentioned about the like the things like the the mouth will move a little bit, but only on certain words, and it's not doing like the exact mouth flap. Mm. And obviously, it reacts more like the more you enunciate and the more kind of whatever you're saying. But uh, Roddy McDowell on the first film, having already been like this established actor, was the one that would kind of talk to other people playing apes and be and saying like you should add things like ticks and and whatnot because it makes your character feel more lived in when you're under this whole like thing of, of makeup so there's all these bits if you watch him like his his nose will like twitch mm. and and all and all the stuff and, and it'll just like furrow his brow and it's and it, it makes the character feel so it, it, it does make it feel so much more real yeah and yeah like, i mean i was he, he he ended up being the mvp of the series for me the most valuable private I mean, that wasn't even intentional. But yeah. <laughs> really, I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to be like, obviously, that's what I meant, AJ. <laughs> but instead, it was like, no, you didn't obviously mean that. That's great. Yeah, uh, yeah he he, and then also because uh, Roddy McDowell's career had kind of a resurgence because of uh, his role in the original Apes. Uh, Sal Minio took on uh, the role of Milo, who's the third ape, which comes to. The, mm. to earth to the 1970s um and in the hopes that it would revitalize his career and he found the makeup very uncomfortable and so the script was rewritten to kill his character off early 
And yeah. this was his final film uh, because he was murdered a few years later. What the fuck? That's horrible. What a horrible yeah. series of sentences that is. Mm. Wow. Yeah. He gets killed by a gorilla. What, like, the worst part is that his makeup was uncomfortable? <laughs> Yeah, so like Sal Mineo from uh, River Without a Cause, he was nominated for an Oscar for that. Wow. He's still like the fifth youngest Oscar nominee. Wow. Uh, hmm. So I thought that Escape from the Planet of the Apes, I think it has a lot going for it. Um, it did take me a little bit to get on board. I think that um, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, God, you had to do time travel, didn't you? This is the only way that you could mm. do this. But it is also like kind of stretching the reality a little bit further than i would have wanted it to be stretched and yeah, talking apes is one thing well I, I, I can understand being set in the future and space travel i'm already dealing with all these other things to then go and then also they time travel conveniently back to the perfect time for the story to take place it's like oh, okay uh and i thought that there was a there's a moment in the film where they first they've first been accepted by humans as before anything goes wrong and it's essentially a montage of like these fish out of water these like human-esque apes in the big city mm. and like they're they're running around and they're getting they're going to hair salons and they're drinking wine yeah. and all this thing and it, it's it's all good it's just you sit there and you remember two films ago charlton heston's passionate cry of you yeah, blew it up yeah, yeah. and it's like we are a long way <laughs> from the we're original not film anymore, we're totally. not in kansas anymore we're in a completely different film that is i yeah, guess but we are also only three years away from that <laughs> what do you mean Oh, right, yeah, like literally in yeah, real, the, real like, time. Th- yeah. yeah. Like, what's a movie that came out, th- a serious movie that came out three years ago? Oh, God. I'm gonna, you, you keep talking. I'm gonna... So I guess I guess it, it requires you to be on board with a, with quite a lot of silliness before it can then get into um, what is actually a very beautiful and heartbreaking and sad and impactful story. It's just you've mm. got to get behind a lot of silliness first. Hmm. Imagine if First Man had a real silly sequel. <laughs> That's a great comparison as well. <laughs> um, update on the moth as well. That yes. was in my room. Um, so Turns out these psychic uh, humans living beneath my room. <laughs> um, so uh, those of you who um, uh, are long-time fans of the podcast might know my relationship with moths uh, and that I do not like them. But one of the reasons I don't like them is the same reason I don't like tomatoes um, is that uh, when you like squash a moth, it just turns to dust. And like when you open up a tomato, it's like it's liquid and it's like just be one state. You know, mm. you can't just have best of both worlds. Uh, anyway, the moth landed on my computer screen and I like I went to flick it away and I crushed it and it turned into dust and I got moth dust all over my screen and my finger and uh, it was horrific. Thankfully, I had a roll of uh, gaffer tape, nigger offcuts of gaffer tape next to me, so I was able to to wipe it off with that um, <laughs> and 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 then and dispose of it nice. properly. But yeah, that was uh, oh boy, yeah, not a not a happy camper yeah. um, for me. I, I wasn't not not me. Not this guy. Not this guy. So not us. This film uh, makes the the first time I think in the series makes the first time it makes this mistake where it puts a real life chimpanzee 
in the same shot as the, <laughs> the humans and chimpanzee makeup. Yeah. And it gets worse in the next one. But in, in this one, I was like, like that, that you see like a, you see her hold the baby chimpanzee. And it's not just that it highlights how the, the Roddy McDowell is clearly wearing makeup. It's not just that. It's also that it does, it undoes what I'd said about the first film where, it, you know, I could be led to believe there is a plot reason for them looking slightly mm. fake that, you know, this is just what they have evolved to look like but it's like no there is the you the film literally says to you and the next one does as well it literally says to you there is no difference between this ape and this ape they to everyone else in this acting in the scene these are supposed to look like the exact same creature <laughs> yeah, yeah like jesus christ don't put other don't put real apes in the movie because isn't the actual mother of the of the dumb ape <laughs> at the circus (laughs) isn't that someone in a suit the gorilla earlier on that kills milo is a person in a suit you know so Mm. like it's like they were somewhat aware of it and then we're like well it's a baby it's not there is definitely a real ape somewhere in there i think the mother maybe but it's i don't know i definitely remember seeing one and having the same kind of thought process well so Sorry, it's it's the baby is is a real ape. <laughs> yeah, the, the baby is definitely real, but I think there is another real one right. somewhere in there as well. Because okay. I just just because I remember having that thought of like that's what now that's a monkey. It gets worse in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the next the, one, the fourth one, the fourth mean. one. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like for all of its flaws that you mentioned, like th- this might be my favorite one. I I I just think the first one's so good. What, it's this one of those things like where f- the first one's inarguably better, but I had probably enjoyed this one more. Ah, oh, man. I, I didn't at all. I, like, it was... Oh, I fucking hated this one. <laughs> no, I liked it. It's I, I like I love how good this one is. Like, it's a complete mm. left hook how good this one is. Like, it's like, whoa. Did not expect this to be as good as it is. But it's it's no it's no Planet of the Apes, you know. <laughs> the, the, so the, 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 the film kind of came out of the idea that their budget was slashed and they were like, well, we can't have a shitload of extras in monkey makeup. Mm-hmm. How do we have it? So there's only a couple. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, well, what if we set it now? And then we can just, we don't have to pay for fancy sets because that's also in the original film. The reason the apes have like a more kind of primitive society, they're advanced, but they're still kind of primitive. That was to save on cost as well. Mm, right. Um, and because the the makeup budget for the first film was still the highest makeup budget in history of film, right? Adjusted for inflation. There you go. Uh, but yeah, the, this um, Paul Den was hired to write a script with a simple telegram from Arthur P. Jacobs, which stated, "Apes exist. Sequel required." <laughs> Apes exist. Yeah. Imagine getting that telegram. I wouldn't start writing a scene. What are you? What does that mean? Apes I'd be, I, I'd, further information required. Stop. <laughs> and then he sends it back, but it's the same message, but now it's all in caps. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so that's uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Next up, we got Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, nineteen seventy-two. Jay Lee Thompson directed this, and what do you think is on Rotten Tomatoes? Let's go to 65. 50. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, the series doesn't reach the same heights as Escape again. Yeah. Uh, but it's still not too bad. Uh, so this one yeah. this one is about, um, this one is essentially Rise of the Planet of the Apes in the series. Yeah, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is, ost- is ost- ostensibly 
a remake of You're Lux. right. How much wine, how much of the Planet of the Grapes, how thick into the Planet of the Grapes are you, mate? I'm actually not that thick. This is maybe, I've had one and a half glasses. Okay. But, right. and it, yeah. So, this, yeah, this is about, uh, it's it's now set in the distant future of 1990. Um, the circus yeah. owner that was left with the t- intelligent ape. now Played by Ricardo the- Montalban as well, which is worth mentioning because he's a famous, he's uh, Khan from Wrath of Khan. Oh, okay. Uh, but now he's all grown up and his name is Caesar. So that, yeah, as I said before, blew my mind to find out that Caesar was not a character invented for. Which is also interesting because this, whoops, the scene you mentioned where it's like they're describing a scene. Um, they talk about like, oh, this ape that stood up to humans. His name was Aldo. And then in the like, when they re talk about that scene again in the latter two films, they just conveniently forget to mention that Cornelius said his name was Aldo. Did he call him Aldo? That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, they said, yeah, it was, it was when an ape named Aldo stood up. And then we're introduced to an Aldo later on, but it's not that ape because it's after the event that's talked about has happened. And he's a villain as well. And so this is like, ah, yeah, just gloss over Wow, <laughs> like, that's so um, fascinating. They just prefer the name Caesar, I guess. Yeah, well, it is. I think Because it it's like, there's right. no reason you couldn't just call Caesar Aldo and mm. be like, oh, wow, like, it's a bootstrap paradox. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they, th- they're all grown up. And by this point, so something we haven't mentioned yet is, is which is what we found out in Escape, uh, is that the reason that apes were able to rise up and take over is because there was a virus in the 80s, in the distant future of the 80s, which wipes out cats and dogs. And humans, mm. in a desperate attempt to find something else to have as a pet, start using apes as pets and start then start using them as slaves until they rise up and take over. So we are, we are now like right in the thick of humans using apes as slaves this Mm. this was a little bit this this really pushed my disbelief because it's like it's a bunch of people dressed up as apes being enslaved by real people and it's like i i I had to google how tall are apes watching this movie because i was like chimps aren't like the same height as humans that like they they don't i feel like they don't do as good of a job moving like chimpanzees in this you know like they they all they all kind of just look like dudes in suits um but anyway caesar's the only one that can talk but he has to keep it a secret uh until he doesn't and starts an uprising and ends with him uh burning down the sort of main little building that the most of the film is set at and declaring that apes will now take over essentially with fire yeah, in his eyes the, the- yeah, and this 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 really like it ends up with a big fucking the big fucking battle between uh the humans and apes and it was originally a lot more gruesome um Dr. Barrel on the Discord referenced like a better ending mm. um which is real hard to find so I don't know I didn't even try and find <laughs> it um what happens in it but it was uh the brutal killing of Governor Brick with an implicit message that the circle of hatred would never end. Um, it was that's interesting because I feel like that isn't the message of the film. Like I feel like the, the message of the film is the circle of hatred can end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm. which is to be honest, not for humans to say. Like the the humans writing the script, it's probably not. They're probably not in the position to say yes. The cycle will end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it was um they didn't have they they couldn't reshoot 
mm-hmm. anything, but they had to change the ending. So what they did was they recorded like a different version of Caesar's final speech. They got Roddy McDowell to do it. And through clever editing techniques, um, i.e. like wide shots where you can't really see the the mouth flap <laughs> or like just showing his eyes, mm. um, he like was saying different dialogue than he was saying on set. Um, and then also the gorillas hitting brick with uh the rifles they played that backwards so it looks like they're being like oh all right we won't hit them kind of thing uh, and so they they made it that it's uh you know becomes this non-violent thing rather than like this brutal murder i like calling that clever editing techniques and not editing like that's what editing <laughs> is <laughs> you have described film editing <laughs> uh yeah I mean, yeah I think, uh, it uh, is it is an editing techniques. technique it's just it's not um i don't know you said it with a tone so i was building off your incredulousness of saying you were like cl- clever editing techniques that's so, just my voice uh, well this is just mine i just sound don't like, like I'm, I'm not making a fan. fun of things when i'm talking <laughs> i just sound like <laughs> uh yes yeah, so that's yeah what did you think of this film I thought it was all right. I think um, it feels like it's the least that happens in all of them. It feels like, uh, as I said, I mm. I found it. I found it's the it's the one where the cracks feel like they're showing the most in terms of the makeup. Um, and you, again, you see, you yeah, see, they still had a lower budget, but they now had to have yeah. a lot more people in ape. Yeah, yeah. Makeup. And this is this is one where like Caesar gets put in the same room as an adult. Chimp, like real life chimpanzee and, and stuff like that and it's mm. just it's like whoa, jesus christ why would you put these on screen together why yeah. would you do this to your audience it's like in um in looper when you see the midway point between bruce willis and joseph gordon mm-hmm. levin and it's bruce willis dressed up as joseph gordon levin and it fucking ruins the film like it's it's that sort of thing to me and it just it just really like rubbed me the wrong way um I thought the ending was awesome. I thought the speech he gives was really cool, and the just that shot of of the, of Caesar standing there and and like a city on fire was very like mm. this is very revolutionary. Like this is this feels very uh, from the heart, and I, it, it almost feels like the the production value can't keep up with the like the quality level of storytelling almost in in the sequels yeah there was um another thing that was that was cut as well is that the script that this is the only one film without a um pre-title sequence because it was cut out and it was a fugitive ape being shot by police um and then they would like find the body had been covered in cuts and and bruises and scars and whatnot and then realizing like um um you know like this is the the kind of living conditions Mm. but i guess they found it unrealistic that the cops would shoot (laughs) an unarmed person um who um you know was living in a kind of lower socioeconomic situation wow very uh relevant nice work what do you think of this one uh yeah i liked it and it is cool that it's like a pre-make of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, pre-make. <laughs> it's a new term for just a film that happens to get remade <laughs> yeah, yeah. later on. <laughs> yeah, I like. It, 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 yeah, it's insane that it's. Oh, I'm never going to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> just finding out how much was already built before 
the, the yeah. reboot trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's very, very good stuff for our our um, you know, the hallowed halls of our franchise observations. <laughs> mm. Hello, halls. So I say when I walk into the halls. You're too drunk. Um, this also has the the highest body count of the franchise. Oh, I'm not surprised. There's a whole fucking. What, what would you there's, guess? The there's body a bloody conquest in it. <laughs> since you've been so good at uh, guessing, um, I don't know, five hundred. Oh no, you're way off. What is it? You should have caught by your head. Fifty nine. That's why I was way off. <laughs> Couldn't have been more off. I would argue that uh, in at the end of uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, when you see the world explode, that's a higher mm. body count. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's true. That is true. Have you got any more you want to say about Conquest? Um, not really. It's the one which plods the most. It's the one where it's like, I'm watching this, but there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, which is interesting because then it's kind of like it's remade into yeah a real fucking good movie. <laughs> Spoilers for next week. Oh. So, uh, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, 1973. Oh, again, wait, what, what, sorry, Thompson. one thing, one thing. Yeah. You, we talked about how like in, in Escape, how he says the ape's name is Aldo. You mm. don't. There is 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 there a point where Caesar even does the thing that is described by no, Cornelius? It, 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 not really, no. Because he says that that he stood up and said no to a human, yeah. which is something that is seen in Rise and is um. There's a very big thing Fucking in dope. in in battle uh, about the word no, and so it felt yeah. like it's just a straight up missing scene. Or I mm. like it feels like it must have happened and I just wasn't paying attention. But well, that, that's the thing that like by naming the character in Battle Aldo and that not happening because Battle takes place after the ape uprising, so it's post yeah. the scene that um, Cornelius described, where as you said, Aldo stands up and says a word that he's heard um, hundreds of times and says no to a human. Mm. Um. Yeah, but then that doesn't really suit Caesar's character. Well, I guess kind of by the end of Conquest it does. But yeah, um, yeah it's one of those things that there's no time where it really could have happened. But And then also, yeah. that's also interesting, uh, inviting another thing that Cornelius in the first, the original Planet of the Apes and the, the whole ape uh, civilization has no recollection that there was a human race before that like you know humans were the dominant species yeah. at any point and then in the third one cornelius talks about how um the day that the humans fell essentially is celebrated as a holiday um and so that was like it's all a, bloody retconning isn't it yeah well that, that's just one of those things it's, it's just a blatant oh we had this better idea so we ignored the first one kind of thing i love it and hate it at the same time yeah um so, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. J. Lee Thompson, again, directed this. Uh, what is this one about? 
Uh, so this one is essentially Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, or a, a pre-make of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, it's humans and ape living in somewhat harmony, uh, but things things are, things don't go completely according to plan when uh, Caesar finds out that uh, tapes of his parents exist back in the city that has now been like nuked, basically. And so they go back to try and find these tapes, but in doing so, alert a like bottom dwelling human pack of their existence and so a war breaks out between the like this sort of like attempt at peace between humans and apes that caesar has made would you call it a war or is it more of a um a small fight battle <laughs> uh but along the way there is also a gorilla named aldo who uh is the sort of general of the soldiers because all gorillas are soldiers and he does not like that uh that we're still treating humans right um and i think as something like in the tapes they find of cornelius he says that the gorillas are the ones that that started the war or something like that and so there's this there's this ordained to to be judas Mm. kind of because even in amongst the apes they have their own class structure of yeah gorillas orangutans and chimpanzees yeah uh and so it ends up being a big battle between the apes and the humans and then also the gorillas and it ends up uh uh, sorry caesar's son is killed his little boy is killed by uh, um aldo the gorilla and which breaks the sacred rule of ape shall not kill ape and so caesar Mm. uh then does he duel aldo or is that like a dream sequence he like kicks him out of a tree. Does that actually happen, or is it like? Uh, no, that happens. Okay, it, it sort of looked like they were showing like this could happen, but it, but yeah, I guess it sort of it sort of ends in this midpoint, and then it cuts to the future because it's been bookended by this old ape telling the story, mm. and the old ape is talking to a collection of chimps and humans, implying that the it's a very happy ending for a otherwise very pessimistic series because it implies that we found a way to get along with each other yeah the cycle of violence of hatred was broken yeah but then yeah it, it, it goes over to a um uh a, a close-up of a statue of caesar with a single tear falling from one eye is shown and um apparently your critics have offered various interpretations of this mm-hmm. um uh is this um is this him crying tears of joy because the species have broken the cycle of oppression and you know thus making an optimistic ending to the franchise because yeah this is the last film in the original run um or is it or is he weeping because racial strife still exists implying the dystopian future of planet and beneath is unavoidable right yeah because you do see a um an ape child bully a little girl it's very subtle but at, at just before mm. you see that but it felt like sort of a thing showing them coexisting as opposed to showing that there's still all this stuff going on you know mm. yeah for sure uh yeah uh, what what does this one have on Rotten tomatoes 36 oh yeah you don't sound sure of yourself no, I was I was doing a guess, and then oh, it, it is thirty six. Oh, right. Wow, it is I was exactly right. Yeah. So is this the lowest one then? Uh, is it lower than the second one? 
Yeah, by two percent. I would say the second one's much worse than this one. Yeah, this one's this one's. I I, I, I want to talk about what, what was your review for this film that you wrote on Letterboxd? I wrote uh, it's forty five minutes of story put into ninety minutes of movie, which is interesting because this was remade into two movies. Yeah, sure, but I mean remade in the sense that it's. Uh, it's like the very basic premise and then everything else ideas is, yeah. yeah yeah and and they're not officially like no one's ever said that and they would yeah. say it's not if you ask them but if you ask matt reeves yeah he'll probably deny it deconstructing but, yeah, your own indictment of my review <laughs> no um, but like i just find it fascinating that you're like oh there's only 45 minutes worth of story here what but I, they took yeah. that 45 minutes and and fleshed it sure, out and made right, two yeah. fucking movies out of it what what i'm more saying is like there's so many scenes that are just dialogue-less uh, battles that aren't yeah, particularly right. interesting. Um, and so I thought that that was like... That, that, like, I zoned out watching this movie because yeah. there are just moments that go for ages that are just apes hitting on... Hitting on? Battling humans. Not hitting... We'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like this stuff, and, and it, but it, it is the kind of thing that's done better in Dawn... Well, of the whole like ape shall not kill ape and and like a a, a Judas amongst the ranks. Yeah. But yeah. I also I, I liked seeing the early ideas of civilization um where humans are enslaved. <laughs> like yeah. the um but the, you know, they've got like the apes have a human teacher. Yeah. And it, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like that. That was I, I. Maybe I would have liked to see more of that in the world. I thought that the most fascinating thing this this movie did was with that human teacher, where um, Aldo at the start, when he's being being, you know, he doesn't really want to listen to what this human being naughty. teacher has to say. Um, he goes to rip up some important documents that the teacher's got and he goes no Aldo no and then everyone's stunned and looks around and one of the orangutan elders comes over and tells the teacher information which to be honest he probably should have been made aware of much earlier than this where he basically says like because of the connotations of a human telling an ape no it is now basically a slur and you can't say no you can't say the n-word so exactly so he says he's he literally says a an ape may still say no to a human but a human may never still say no to an yeah, ape. It's, it's their word it's their word right and i was like yeah well good and because they talk about it being caesar's least favorite word yeah and that yeah the connotation he, he he and although you said that he should be made aware of it he is aware of it mm. because it's um the what what um uh our order goes to rip up is Cornelius, who's Caesar's son, being yeah. named after his dad, um, it's his um, it's his work, and it says um, because they're doing this whole class about apes shall never kill ape, and then he Cornelius writes ape shall never kill Abe, Abe being the teacher's name, yeah. and he finds he's like oh this is this really nice thing that that like this this ape said I'm I'm you know one of the good ones kind of thing and when he says when abe says no to aldo he's saying like no don't rip that up because he was worried about aldo facing the wrath of caesar by ripping up his child's right work yeah what i was more saying like it's um the the orangutan explaining it is very like talking to the audience giving the audience information yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. um but i thought that was a really fascinating wrinkle because this is a movie that came out in the mid 70s and it does the 
explanation on on why historical context means some people groups can make can say or do some mm. things while others can't. And a movie from the mid seventies, Richard, that's something people don't get now. You know, like yeah. my dad doesn't know why he's not allowed to do an Asian accent anymore, or it was never allowed to do yeah. one. But like, if I if I tell <laughs> my dad to to not do a racist accent, it's gonna be met with like vitriol. It's gonna be met with like, oh, you a, a racist accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'd be like, just just listen to it. Just yeah, listen to it. You'll yeah, get yeah. it. <laughs> you can't bloody say anything these days. That sort of thing. And this is a movie from this far, uh, uh, like from this long ago, which articulates it in such an. Mm. And it's the exact same situation. The yeah. reason why white people shouldn't say the N-word is because it's a word that has historical context and power of oppression. And it's the same thing. And it's it's so interesting that the mm. um that this this teaching and and these uh the the white this explanation existed back then. This isn't discourse that has cropped up recently. This is clearly discourse that has been around since long before yeah you know the- yeah well and, and so because i was actually thinking about this um the, the the another thing of like you go on like the reddit comments or whatever from anything about like they're casting new voice actors for the simpsons so that you know white people aren't playing people of color anymore and they're like oh but they're gonna get a real scottish person to voice groundskeeper willie or like oh actors should be able to play anyone and it's yeah. like in an, in an ideal world, it wouldn't be a problem. But that's the thing. Like, when The Simpsons were making their voice cast 32 years ago, yeah. they said, well, we've got all these characters of color. Should we hire one person of color? No, no, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Hank Azaria can do the voice. And it's like, yeah, so th- 32 years ago, someone lost out on the role of a lifetime. And these people exist. It's not like, you know. Oh, they there, absolutely there was no, exist, was, yeah. Yeah, and, it's, um, and so... Yeah, yeah. Like, if 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 racism had never been an issue, yeah, people would be able to play anyone they wanted because there would have never been a point when mm. when black people or, or or women as well would be missing out on on roles or, or transgender individuals mm. would be missing out on roles because oh, you know, a um a white a white man can play that kind of thing. And this is this is what we t- I talked about this a lot in my Borat video that I released a couple couple mm. weeks ago. And yeah, it's it's so it's so cool to see it in such an old it's such an old movie, you know, and and yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. Like I've gone off Reddit for that reason that it's it's like people on there being like, "Well, this means this," and it's like, "No, it fucking doesn't." There exists. Yeah, I mean, they, they love to shit on Ben Shapiro, but it's like, yeah, they're the kings of fucking false equivalency. <laughs> yeah, false. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's false equivalency. Yeah. Like it's it's so uh, it's so hard going yeah. to to like, and it's like, and, and, and you know, if if like a um. Uh yeah, like when a when a black comedian does does whiteface, and they're like, oh, well, why isn't this an issue? It's mm. like because no white man has ever lost a job because yeah. they could say they say, oh, well, Dave Chappelle can do it and wake up. Yeah, so it's it's real good. It's it was a real it was probably the highlight of the movie, and it was this very incidental moment <laughs> that that um that that has quickly moved on from. But yeah, in the same again, in the same way that names are important in Death Note, it's like speech and especially you the, keep the, going the on word, about Death Note. Right? I've not stopped thinking about Death Note since we we covered it, dude. Uh, I have, that, haven't man. watched the anime though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Um, if, you, if you're in our Discord as well, if you or if, or if you need a reason to join the Discord and you want to learn more about um, Death Note, uh, Josh Monson 
uh, left a very good analysis of why the second half of the series isn't as good. And uh, yeah. and I was like, because this was someone who was like, well, I want to listen to the episode, but I don't want to be spoiled. So I'll watch the entire anime. And he did. And then he, and it's like, it's one of these things of like someone just observing it and then leaving this like completely perfectly eloquent <laughs> explanation of like, yeah, this is everyone's problem with it, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. That's um, awesome. But not in a way of like, yeah, way to finally catch up. It was like, yep, yeah, you've exactly surmised like the general consensus. Right. That's cool. Nice. Apes shall never kill ape, eh? That's what they say. That was a cool scene as well. That's yeah. a cool scene as well. That um, when yeah, the, like it's the, that's the one law of it, of it because I guess to them it's like, well, if we kill each other, we're, we're no better than humans. What that's that's just the the philosophical question that the latter half of the series grapples with is like mm. the f- the first movie's allowed to just be like look they blew it up those maniacs and but then the rest of the series has to be like okay but what happens next if is 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 reaching sentience and intelligence part and parcel with uh being susceptible to evil you know mm. yeah here's the thing about planet of the apes all the movies we've talked about and all the ones we're going to talk about. And here's what it grapples with, right? It grapples with saying these profound things and and um, a lot of them being very well told and very uh, beautiful stories. But then also, it's also a series which has people dressed up as monkeys running around acting like monkeys. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, th- this is very silly. This the, the, the ape, unfortunately, is nature's clown. Like this is the funniest animal you. Like I would take maybe another animal doing this more seriously than I would an ape, <laughs> and so it, it it grapples with like these very serious doom themes uh, under a surface level of like something that could look very funny. I remember feeling that watching Dawn in the cinemas was like this is hmm. real good, but like they're, they're monkeys, like they're monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> they're not monkeys. They're chimps, apes. Fuck. <laughs> yeah uh, it's funny i i haven't seen war i've seen the other two mm-hmm. um of the reboot trilogy and it's uh, we'll probably talk about this more like next week but it's funny this this thing of like oh they're fucking amazing but i haven't got around to seeing war <laughs> yeah. and i watched the and i watched the other two well after they came out in yeah. cinemas <laughs> like i don't know anyone that, like i know like everyone i know loves at least one of them or like you know can appreciate that they're incredible films but no one like saw them in the cinema. I saw the second one in the cinema. This is the only time I've seen it. Yeah, but even still, it's like you, you have this weird experience. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah they're I good. Do have but a weird like, experience my experience like, watching yeah. them was like unconventional. Yeah, but yeah, I, I know that uh, Dawn deals with the like ape shall not kill ape and yeah, the Judas yeah. kind of thing, and so I'm, I'm interested to see what from battle that war brings in. Mm. I know Woody Harrelson's in it. Yeah, I don't know that much else about it. No, neither. Yeah. But that is uh, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. And then the series lay dormant for um, quite a fucking long time as yeah, well. Like oh, just, just under 30 years. Wow. And then uh, it was rebooted with Planet of the Apes 2001, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Tim Burton. And what's this one about? <laughs> uh, it's it's essentially the same plot as the first one. It's just a bit glossier. Um, it has more recognizable actors 
and uh it's really fucking bad it's the it's the worst movie i've seen in a while and arguably mm. i've watched the barbie movies pretty recently and i watched death mm. note 2016 relatively recently 17 2017 uh what do you think it has a rotten tomatoes then uh 40 it's still it's not as low yeah, as it 40 44 yeah it's not that low it should be. This movie sucks. So the the only thing it really has going for it is the production value is awesome and it has some good actors in it. Um, the highlight of which I think was probably Paul Giamatti plays an orangutan um, and does a pretty good job of it. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Can you do an impression of um, Paul Giamatti? I don't think so. What's a Paul, what is the Paul Giamatti traits with which you would? I'm fucking Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so Yeah, that was perfect. It's uh, what I don't know when you're describing this film, it takes out the like the existentialism out of it, you know, the worst part of the original jokes, it's the best part, uh, and is way more of a race allegory. Funny joke, AJ. Congratulations. Um, and it takes out the uh Statue of Liberty scene at the end, and instead, Mark Ruffalo uh goes back to Earth only to find that (laughs) that he's changed from Mark Wahlberg into Mark (laughs) Ruffalo. Fuck. You never just correct me. You always have to work it into the to like what I've said is true, and so you, like you, you you go like you don't go. Oh, it wasn't Mark Ruffalo. It was Mark Wahlberg. You go. Oh, and he, f- he discovers this. AJ, you fucking idiot. You damn idiot. <laughs> um, Mark Wahlberg. When goes, else have I? Done? Can you think of any other no, examples? Please don't make me back that up. <laughs> he goes, I, he, I just did it then. He goes. He goes back to Earth. That's an example of it. <laughs> he goes back. Yeah. Yeah, AJ, name one other fucking time. <laughs> you damn dirty ape. <laughs> you maniac. <laughs> you blew it up. My point, my sentence, my summary. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back to Earth and finds that the uh, Lincoln Memorial is now an ape Lincoln and there's apes still around. Uh, well, it's not just ape Lincoln. It's uh, General Thade, Tim, Tim Roth's character. It does a close-up of like... Does it? It's... Yeah, is that yeah. Thade? So th- I had no is, idea that was Thade. This is this is the thing that's like it takes it, I guess, from being the original ending of the book that like he returns to Earth, finding out it's also gone through a Planet of the Apes kind of thing. Um, to like, well, how does that make sense? Because yeah, the, the Lincoln Memorial is now a memorial to Thade, which is the villain of the film played by Tim Roth, who's an ape. Um, and so what yeah we because we, we watched this as like a group watch with our discord yeah and i said hot take this ending isn't that bad and I, the hot take i don't think it's that bad. like i think that the returning to like that if you're going to do a remake of planet of the apes a film most famous for its ending the kind of the way to do that would be to then do the original ending from the book and do the he returns to earth and finds out or you because like well on one hand it's like it's so iconic you have to do it again on but then on the other hand it's like it's so iconic that maybe you just shouldn't touch it you know well i'd say i understand the desire to do um to to see an iconic thing you know an iconic landmark that's been um degraded in the same way that's been aped in whatever way that means and like so i understand that i think it's just an implicitly silly thing again to see as an abraham lincoln monkey um but yeah is it is it that he does he get home and earth has is it's a different earth or is it that he never left or is it that the that that 
the I thought for a moment I thought the twist was actually that when he goes back in time when he lands on the planet he's actually landing in the past then and that that he goes back to the future to find that his actions obstructed the you know butterfly affected the whole world and now you know like do the events of planet of the apes happen uh before the end <laughs> but before yeah. anything like is is the events of tim burton's planet of the apes set in the past and without mark Wahlberg turning up there it would have eventually ended up with two guys sitting down talking about a podcast but because talking about a podcast but because mark Wahlberg went to like interrupted the time space continuum it meant that now there aren't two guys doing a podcast it's two apes doing a podcast do you know what i'm right, saying right, right. uh yeah kind of uh, because because it is like it's one of those things where it's like when people talk about this film being bad it's one of the things they point to and I don't know. Like, I wonder if this film, if this had been the original ending of the 1968 film, I wonder if it would have, like, yeah, it probably wouldn't have had like the 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 legacy it's had. But I wonder if it would have the same kind of like, it, like, I guess what I'm saying is, I wonder if people's hatred of the ending is actually entirely at being confusing or just because it's not the original well it's not just that it's not the original it's that that the whole film is like a bastardization of this classic and then it has the the gall to do a different ending you know it's it's like yeah yeah, it's it's, i i my problems with this movie are are a lot it happened long before the ape abraham lincoln like mm. I, the worst thing in this film for me is that when he gets when Mark Wahlberg gets lumped in with all the other hu- like feral humans, they can all talk, uh, and they and they all speak with mm. American accents, which again is like, and none of these movies does this explained how not only can ever does everyone talk in English, but it's like not a developed form of English at all. Like mm. in the original one, it's like uh, maybe they didn't think about it, but like linguistically, at the very least, the the ape language be would be like a bastard form of American English, you know. Um, yeah, but in this, all it, the it humans- is. Um, although one one character we don't see talk, um, which is very funny that this is the first time she's been mentioned. But Linda Harrison has a cameo in this film. Linda Harrison, who played Nova in the first two films, who's like the love interest, um, but is very much like an attractive woman who yeah. doesn't talk and is kind of the Hangs just off there. Charlton Heston's arm. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, she has a cameo in this film as a woman in a cart at the start who does not talk. A reference to the fact that her character is mute in the first mm. two films, apart from saying Taylor's name. So, so not only can the humans talk in, in this version but it's still a secret that they can talk meaning in all of ape history no human has ever said anything to an ape which is a strategy they've chosen not it's like to toy do. story yeah they've chosen not to do that which also implies intelligence and we've talked about the how how the these movies impress upon you the importance of the ability to speak the, the ability of speech right and the reason for that is because that's how intelligence is expressed right yeah. so if the humans can talk that means the humans were always intelligent which means they didn't need fucking marky mark to help them start a fucking uprising they could have done it the whole <laughs> time because they can always talk it is such a it is a it is a decision a change in the remake which fundamentally breaks the yeah. the whole point i thought if you if they can both talk then it's game over or at least the war is already going 
Game over, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought that was so stupid and, and, and absolutely ruined the... Well, I didn't ruin it. It was already bad. I've got a few other problems with yeah. it. It starts off bad. It starts off and it's like, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> well, also, the, the, the kind of the weirdest thing about it is that, like... So, the, this isn't, like, Tim Burton finding himself kind of thing. This is, like, well into Tim Burton's... We'd already seen uh beetlejuice batman edward scissorhands um ed wood like burton-esque uh, films yeah like we, we, it already had very clearly this is the the least burton-esque film out of his filmography his next film though would be big fish which is far and away his best film <laughs> um yeah but yeah, it's um it's interesting thing, and and apparently, and this is kind of what a few people have said that it's it's one of these things where this was obviously a big landmark release that it's like we're doing a remake of Planet of the Apes. Fox said has to come out on this day, and you know they hadn't even hired Tim Burton, but they had a release date set in stone, and so. Um, speaking of set in stone, um, Oliver Stone was actually one of the act- one of the directors attached to one point. So it was um, Chris Columbus, Sam Hamm, James Cameron, Peter Jackson, um, all these names that kind of were in various stages of mm. agreeing to do it. Um, but Peter Jackson's a pretty good, you know. Yeah, even, I mean, even obviously, Lord of the Rings. Obviously, it's it's crucial to human history that Peter Jackson did not direct this film in the year two thousand. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He actually um, he turned it down because. Um, he was like Lord of the Rings was on the verge of being cancelled, and Roddy McDowell died in October of 1998. And he was like, like I've got too much going on, and I wouldn't want to potentially bastardize Roddy McDowell's legacy just after he's died. Interesting. Uh, speaking of uh, bastardizing legacies, um, let's continue talking about this bastardization of a legacy. Mm. One of the things that we had a, a small disagreement on was that I was like. I was ragging on the the art direction and you were like, I think it's amazing. It's the execution mm. that's the problem, not the effect. And I do well, agree. Yeah, well, that, that's why I said that, like, because you were like, these apes look like fucking shit. Yeah. And I was like, the apes look amazing, but they're designed poorly. They, and like, I agree. Especially yeah. the, the, the female apes. It's like they're trying to make them too believably sexy. So, but it's like, the, yeah. the makeup effects are incredible. So, But but it's this thing where, like, Paul Giamatti plays an orangutan and looks great. He looks like an orangutan that can speak. Whereas Helena yeah. Bonham Carter plays a female ape that's this like slender sexualized kind of like they've tried to make the female character mm. ape characters feminine but they haven't made the male ape characters masculine they, they just look like regular apes well it, it's the, and it's that kind of thing that the the female uh ape makeup almost has that like you know like in old school hollywood movies they'd put like the vaseline or the lens to yeah yeah um defocus the woman a little bit it, it looks like that but it's like baked into the makeup it's very yeah, strange it's very strange and uh there was a drinking rule that we had for this game which was uh drink every time the there is interspecies flirting uh, which happens a lot between mark Wahlberg and yeah and- off off um camera as well like in in our group chat as well while we're watching it <laughs> what other species was in our group chat an ape it was um mvp it was jack 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I and I wanted to talk about this because there's a moment in the original film right at the end where um, Taylor Charlton Heston's character he shakes uh, he shakes the hand of Cornelius and then he goes up to to Zara and he says Zara what's his name Zira 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 he goes up to Zira and he says Zira I'd like to give you a kiss and they kiss and it's not romantic it's like a statement on like. You know, it's the it's the shaking hands of of the the oppressor with the oppressed to prove that there's, you know, that yeah. all 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 malevolence has gone and that they see them each other each other as equals. Uh, and Zera actually does this to to a human at the end of Escape. And both of these times, it's like this is so sweet. It's not sexual at all. It's like a it's a symbol, you know. And then it's this, like the uh, the kick ass hit girl kiss at the end of. Yeah, yeah totally and then in this they kiss at the end and it's it's mark Wahlberg being the most like beefcake frenching on <laughs> not, not exactly it's just, <laughs> it's just totally it totally doesn't read the same especially because they've been flirting all the way through which is made even more funny by the fact that there's like a supermodel human character who's also there and so it's like mark Wahlberg's yeah, character yeah, yeah. consciously chooses to pursue a romantic <laughs> endeavor with the ape character and not with the character character of his own species who's also incredibly attractive um and and, so and and is into him as well yeah yeah it's it's so strange it's such a what did you think of this movie i thought it was great <laughs> you did not it's fucking boring as well it's not even the, at, the, thing, at, the yeah. at the very least it could be so bad it's good but it's not even that it's just a chore to get through yeah that, that's the thing uh yeah like um I would love a terrible Planet of the Apes movie directed <laughs> by Tim Burton. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, there, there's a lot, like, Mark Wahlberg starring in, like, a gritty reboot <laughs> of um, of Planet of the Apes directed by Captain Wacky himself, Tim Burton. <laughs> and you've got um, Paul Giamatti as, like, a comic relief character. And then you go, and it was universally panned. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, fuck, dude, sign me up. That's why we did a group watch for it on the yeah, Discord. Yeah. Um, and then you watch it and everyone's just like, oh, yeah. I forgot this movie's actually just bad. It's boring. It's so like, boring. It's, it's not like you can't even make fun of it. It's just like, eh, whatever. Mm. Funny thing about like the the casting of this film, though. So Mark Wahlberg had to turn down. Um, he, he had to back out, not just turn down, but back out of um, Ocean's Eleven. He was cast as... Um, uh lyman or linus in um matt damon's role right that was okay. originally mark Wahlberg, and he had to pull out to do play of the apps and also um tim uh tim roth had to turn down snape in um and harry Potter and the force of stone to play um general fade that's so interesting that like alan rickman wasn't clearly always the perfect choice for snape hmm. huh um my michael clark duncan plays a guerrilla soldier in this and he's mm. he's pretty and great. that's one that um uh jaimon honzu um actually managed to get out of um because oh, and, and he, he was originally cast in that role but he had to turn it down um because of the four feathers wow there you go um I, what else is there to say about this movie it's just such a it's so boring that's it's just so mm. boring and by the time anything's happening in it i've lost interest it has a bunch of um what feel like very expendable human characters along for the journey who don't die 
Like there's the the oh. guy, there's a bald guy in it who is the actor from um the mummy that tells off Rachel Vice when she knocks over the um the 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 bookshelves who is also in the stargate movie which i watched today so that's why i'm thinking about him and that that's like a character actor who's like built to be a red shirt for these kinds of like 2000s adventure eric avari yeah like that's that's the kind of character you add to your cast because you're like well we've got to raise the stakes somehow by killing off some not important characters they all survive Mm, eric's up to they all fucking live (laughs) they yeah (laughs) they all fucking live to the end it's such a waste yeah, he's um, yeah. It's also got Chris Christopherson in it from Blade and Lone Dinosaur. The Lone Dinosaur himself from Blade. Um, <laughs> oh, one more final thing, fun thing about the casting. Um, but it's it says whereas other actors contending for the Leo Davidson role, Leo Davidson being the replacement for Taylor. Um, in the original so film Mark Wahlberg's character yeah he said whereas other actors contending for the Leo Davidson role wanted to see the script before signing a contract Wahlberg signed on after a five minute meeting with Burton which like if this film was incredible it would be like wow that's cool and this one it's like <laughs> and it's not even like Tim Burton's a bad director either. Like if this was a He made Big Fish. If, yeah, if this was like a Roland Emmerich film or or a Uwe Boll film. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, Mark Wahlberg, that's you know, you want to be able to make fun of everyone involved, but it's just stacked with talented artists. And it's like yeah. this is it's so oh my god, it's such a depressing remake. I remember this this yeah. might be my first memory of a remake being like regarded as as terrible you know like when this came Mm. out i remember being very young and everyone being like this is bad (laughs) yeah the um tim burton has said that he would rather jump out of a window than direct a sequel to this Mm -hmm. and um in 2011 uh while being interviewed by mtv mark warwick was asked about uh rise of the planet the apes and he said i haven't seen it yet but i heard it was pretty damn good well ours wasn't it is what it is ours wasn't they didn't have the right script fox studios had a release date before tim burton shot a foot of film they were pushing him and pushing him and pushing him in the wrong direction you have to let tim do his thing do you know what first of all excellent mark Wahlberg impression well, Second, secondly, <laughs> like he's right, like that is a that he Mark Wahlberg. Ugh, I was about to say Mark Wahlberg gets it. He decidedly mm. does not get it. But in that yeah. case, he understood. Like he's right. Like he he. He just articulated the problem with the movie. And it's not the first time I've heard Mark Wahlberg discuss what's wrong with a movie he's been in as well, because he did the same thing about The Happening. So at least he's like an actor that that seems to be able to be like, look, I was in a bad movie. Whatever. I'm also in the But then he's also like, was like, yeah, I had to apologize to God for being in Boogie Nights. And it's like, that's your best film. (laughs) Like, your best role. You're incredible in that film. The film is amazing. Um, but yeah, like the thing is that like, you know, what he said about you have to let Tim do his thing. It's like Tim Burton and a remake of Planet of the Apes are not a bad combination. No, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when people be like, this is what a Tim Burton <laughs> version of this movie would look like. And it's like all right, twisty yeah, yeah. spiralies and stuff. Like, it's not that either. And I don't want to see the Nightmare Before Christmas version of Planet of the Apes, you know. But Although he didn't direct that. I know, mm-hmm. but I'm that's actually... the, the style. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's also his. Like he was heavily involved in the production, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it's like I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, fuck, like do it, dark, twisted, spirally. I don't care. Okay, it's it's not I don't my fucking give a shit, man. 
All right. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things that, like, if, if someone said, I mean, like, okay, nowadays, but coming, oh, like, what did I say? What did I say? He was like, he'd just come across, uh, come off like Edward, Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow. And if, if that era of Tim Burton, someone said he's going to make a remake of Player of the Apes, that's not inherently a bad idea. If you, if someone, like, mm. someone has to make a, um, a remake of, of Planet of the Apes, like, let's say, and, and then Hollywood goes, we're going to get Tim Burton to do it. You'll, you, you know, you'd be, then you'd be like, that's kind of cool. I mean, you think about like what he did with Batman. Yeah. Like, like yeah, like the, the dark and gritty remake before dark and gritty remakes were a thing. 20 years before they were a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, so I guess that kind of brings us to continue the franchise tim burton's remake was while financially successful actually um let's see if i can tell you how much it made um yes i made 362 million on a 100 million budget so yeah i mean it was actually very successful yeah this is what the the type of thing that people see it just doesn't it's just not it's like it's like venom you know although venom got Mm. a sequel which made a did venom made made a billion dollars didn't it probably yeah so um continue the franchise there this isn't one of those franchises where it's like there's um there's comics there's novelizations there's novels there's video games kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh but obviously most prominently there is the uh, the reboot series which is rise of the planet of the apes dawn of the planet of the apes and war for the planet of the apes which came out 2011 14 and 17 and we will be covering that very neat trilogy next week not next fortnight we're kind of we're, we're doing something different still franchise fortnights but in one week we're doing it's there it's a double episode of film franchise fortnights so it still exists yeah. part, as part of this fortnight i guess <laughs> yeah so is there, has sure. there never uh, been like an apes tv show or anything like that there is a tv show as well I guess. Okay. so there's the planet of the apes series which was in 1974 so they just after battle and then there's Return to Planet of the Apes, which was a Saturday morning cartoon. And then there's Behind the Planet of the Apes, uh, which I think is a one-off documentary special. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's a there's- is that a joke? Were you doing a joke? Because that's very funny. Like I was completely what? in the headspace of like thinking of titles for Planet of the Apes movies, and then you go Behind the Planet of the Apes. I'm like, oh, what's that one about? It's like it's a behind-the-scenes documentary. No, that's real. Yeah, there is okay. really a behind the scenes about playing the apps. That's fine. Um, so there's also um, what was so what was the TV show? What was the the live action one? Uh, the live action one. Let's um, oh, yeah. So so it's, it's um you know someone crash lands, um, but it's got a, a young chimpanzee that is sent by Zaius, Doctor Zaius from the first film, um, with Urko to um, ensure the safety of two humans that have survived a crash landing on Earth. Um, and he, that, that ape's name is Galen, and he's played by Roddy McDowell in the TV series, which ran for 14 episodes. I thought it was going to be one like this, where it's like so much of the talent and DNA is still present in this yeah. under you know unseen chapter. And so, yeah, this, this show aired in 1974, which um, yeah, is the year after um, Battle. And what's it called again? Uh, it's just called Planet of the Apes. Yeah. That's so interesting. It only went for one season. Hmm. Hmm. 14 uh, episodes, and it has a section on the Wikipedia page called Unfilmed Episodes, two of which were, episode one and episode two were written by Rod Serling. Oh my god, this sounds pretty pretty ripe, 
ripe for a Patreon episode. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's also um, a bunch of comics. Um, so uh, the video games as well, I'll just mention as well. There's Planet of the Apes 2001, which is a tie into that film. Revenge of the Apes, which is a game originally developed in 1983 for the, 2600, the Atari 2600. Um, but then uh, Fox shuttered its game division during the great video game crash of 1983. It went unreleased and was assumed lost until 2002 when collectors identified a mislabeled cartridge as the missing Planet of the Apes game. And then it was completed and re and released in 2003. That's a cool story. So it's funny, yeah. it's almost like a missing link. Hey. Mm. um it's it's very it's <laughs> this is similar to, to, to the terminator series where i feel like despite the fact that it's it's sequelage is so prolific it's also something which like kind of falls apart the more installments you give it like planet of the apes found mm. a way out of it but like terminator judgment day is such an ending to that story that any subsequent sequels like undermines it and in the same way i yeah, feel yeah. like the original planet of the apes is so good that any any further installments is like well mm. okay yeah sure like the best we can have is um escape you know? yeah um there's also planet of the apes lost last frontier sorry which takes place between dawn and war of the reboot trilogy. So I guess that's really more for that. Um, and then there's also uh crisis on the planet of the apes, which is like a VR experience. So those, so the, those are both games. Yeah. Um, there's also a bunch of comics and there's been Planet of the apes comics running like steadily since the early seventies or late sixties kind of thing. There's um, Tarzan on the planet of the apes, which <laughs> came out in 2016. There's, Planet of the Apes Visionaries. Uh, what's that one? It's based on the Rod Serling script for the original film. Um, there's Planet of the Apes slash Green Lantern 2017. That's about a combo of those two categories. And there's one called uh, Star Trek slash Planet of the Apes The Primate Directive. Very good. Which is a very fun title. Um, because of it, in Star Trek, they talk about the Prime Directive a lot. I get it. Primate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's speaking all fun. of titles we didn't talk about titles should we do that next week with all of them in one go oh yeah i mean i only really have one thing i want to say about the titles um which is like it's it, it, it's interesting that and and again we'll talk about it more next week i do want to talk about the titles um with you because you're the title boy uh is that like everyone makes fun of like rise of the planet of the apes so it's like blank of the blank of the blank of the blank of the blank and they went like these titles are so ridiculous it's like they've been around since fucking 1970 mm, conquest of the planet of the apes is the only one that has two ofs in it though. well but it's still like blank filler two words planet of the beneath apes. the planet of the apes escape from the planet i think they they all work i think it's when you have something of the something that that right yeah sure okay yeah but yeah the one thing i don't like about these titles and like they, they are cool titles and especially beneath we mentioned um being like it's it's not like battle for and like escape from a very like okay yeah, these are the these are the first ones you think of yeah, but the one thing I don't like about them is that in your DVD collection, they don't line up. How do They're you... not in the right order. In what way? Well, so so Planet of the Apes is going to be under P, and then you're like, oh, the oh, second right. one should be right next to it, right? No, no, it's all the way back at B. 
<laughs> does, and so does, that's the one kind of thing I don't like about that. Does is sequeling that like, not not trump alphabetical in your collection? Uh, so like, yeah, it, it, it depends. Like, I, I've got all of the MCU just like in that order, but that's like separate to mm. um, to that kind of thing. And so if it was like like obviously this wouldn't be it but it was like if it was planet of the apes beneath planet of the apes escape planet of the apes conquest i would still put escape before conquest even though it's not in that alphabetical order kind of thing yeah but because the titles are so like drastically doesn't start Mm. with that letter kind of thing well that's why you just get the box set Mm. shitty titles are are a conspiracy made up by big box set to sell more box sets yeah what do you um? What do you think of titles? I think it's a cool format to go with. Um, I like that they're not just Planet of the Apes too. I don't think. I think Beneath is probably the only one that I'm like fuck yeah. But you know, yeah, like it's the worst one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'm not. I'm not enamored by the other titles. I think the least words you can put in there it makes it for a better title. So if it was Beneath the Planet of the Apes, beside the Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Beneath the Apes, Escape the Apes, <laughs> yeah conquest of the apes yeah exactly battle for the apes all right and so part of this podcast if it is your first time joining us uh is that we both pitch a continuation to the franchise which like when we first started this podcast really felt like it was going to be like a bigger part of it (laughs) um back when the episodes were 20 minutes and continue the franchise would take up six of those minutes Uh, but now it's it's very much (laughs) an afterthought um but uh we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about what those continuations are and aj have you prepared a continuation of the franchise somewhat um i was thinking so going off what i said before about how like maybe i would take this more seriously if they weren't apes and like if you Mm. were doing the same concept now i do wonder if like planet of the reptiles would be the way to go you know play into the now interesting now very ubiquitous uh imagery of reptilian overlords you know do you do the same basic story but it's with reptilians instead of apes i think people would probably take that a bit more seriously and it's just the royal family yeah no it's just um dinosaur that that sitcom (laughs) (laughs) not the mama um not the mama uh but yeah that's so that's sort of i i reckon if it weren't for the reboot um trilogy i would i do wonder if this would have been attempted again with like a 21st century twist which is twist it's an animal you can take more seriously than apes um, which would be reptilians, I guess. So Planet of the Reptilians or Planet of the Lizards or Planet of the Reptiles is is my pitch. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, my one is set in our world. Oh my this God. is like a human centipede 2 situation. Great, great choice. <laughs> um, we get, it's set in our world. It's about um, your average like kind of Kino film enjoyer probably loves Zack Snyder and he he doesn't like Planet of the Apes is one of the biggest media franchises of all times of all time but he doesn't get it right so what he does is he invents time travel travels forward to the planet of the apes and uh and kind of just points out all the flaws with it because he doesn't really <laughs> like Planet of the Apes. He thinks he's too good for it. And so, yeah, it's it's, it's him essentially poking holes in the plot. Um, and then, you know, he would be enslaved 
or he would lead the revolution by being like, apes are stupid. Yeah. Um, Reptiles are way better. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's played by you. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> um, finally, uh, yeah, it's giving you a gig, man. Yeah, and um, it's called Above the Planet of the Apes because <laughs> that is what our character is. Wow. So it's not set in the, the sky. It's set in this guy points to self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's about a guy who thinks he's too good for everything and he nice. is above the planet of the apes. I love it. Richard... This brings us closer and closer, ever marching, never stopping to the end of the episode. Do we want to rank this episode now or next week? Uh, no, we, 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 this, this is very much a rank the originals, rank the reboot. Okay, but like... But the almighty watch is going to have your fucking <laughs> balls for breakfast. No, the, the, we have talked about doing a re-ranking episode and one of the requests Look, was I to stop doing I fucking this. know or care <laughs> at I, the like, I don't, I can don't, we focus I don't on the fucking, podcast we're doing instead of one we might do in the future I don't yeah like this whole thing about like oh why did you count this and not this it, like, to make it a hundred <laughs> and that didn't even work because we accidentally forgot to include a Cinderella story yeah um I don't know like I think we should just just hack it on that's a problem for future AJ and Richard to worry about okay okay Fine. All right. Are you on the w- so, on the page okay. or, am, or am I doing? Yeah, I'm on the wrong list, so I'll just <laughs> go on, on to the, the right one. Too. Which one did you go to cover on film franchise? Yes, I did. I yeah, this is over on our letterbox, by the way, letterboxcom slash uh slash list. There will be a link to it in the description if you want to read our different uh, lists. Um, okay, so we currently have on our franchise ranking, um, we have um how many it's fuck um 126 franchises so this will be our 127th franchise yeah i i i went on to i I was on the wrong list and i went on to what i thought was the right one it was still the wrong (laughs) one so no i'm now going into the right list Mm. um planet of the apes cool so i'm adding planet of the apes and so this is just um the original up to battle right yeah i guess we're not including the remake because it didn't have a franchise of its own because we didn't include death note last time correct yeah all right and with that is this gonna be above or below the nymphomaniac constant i think it's it's definitely above the nymphomaniac constant all right right. which is our our um one good movie one bad movie marker i would put it quite uh, quite considerably higher up than than that i'm looking around um what i'm feeling is uh oceans 11 friday the 13th area so maybe not above ghostbusters at 25 but either in front of or behind oceans 11 at 26 what do you think all right i'm just scrolling up to have a look 27 all right so not above ghostbusters you think uh, or is it above Ghostbusters? Because there's two really good ones in this series, which is hmm. more t- than you can say for Ghostbusters. Yeah, and I would say like, I don't know, even play the apes. I would say there's no like bad ones. Yeah, there's no duds. Okay, so should we go above Ghostbusters? Above Ghostbusters is 28 Days Later, which I'm willing to concede this is a better franchise than 28 Days Later. 
Um, and above that is Jurassic Park, which, mm. you know, Jurassic Park 1 is probably the best movie of the of all of these that we're talking about. But mm. then also, as a franchise, fails in a lot of ways that I think maybe we need to bump up even further. Let's go. Let's jump up yeah. a few to yeah. what like I'm looking at Mad Max at 16. What are you thinking there? Yeah. Uh, I think we're finding the place. Yep. Is love, it above or below Mad Max? I love making this part of the show engaging by having to describe like explicitly numbers and franchises mm. we're looking at. Uh, I would say it is not better than the best Mad Max, but I think it's probably better than Mad Max as a whole. Yeah. Okay, sweet. But it's not as good as Monsters, Inc. At 15. What do you think? Fuck, let's chuck it. What about let's chuck it next to Death Note? <laughs> Which is, is it? Is it before? I think it's is it better or worse than Death Note? Uh, I know, but it's fun to be like, oh, we covered two franchises of similar quality mm. at the same time. So We're Death like- Note's at twelve, Terminator's at eleven. I'm gonna say it is better than Death Note, but not better than wow. Terminator. Yeah, okay, okay, I can live with it. Yep. All right, so there you go. Once for the second time on film franchise fortnights in a row, we now have a twelfth best franchise we've ever watched, which is Planet of the Apes, the original series. Fun mm-hmm. stuff, uh, and that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, we are doing something on our Patreon right now, patreon.com slash Popshire. If you want to check yeah, it this, out, this is this is interesting because by the time this episode comes out, it'll be very different from what's happening right now. Oh, true. That's true. So, um, so, so if you go over to our Patreon now, uh, what what's happening? What we're in the middle of now? What we're talking about is that uh, two weeks from now will be the five year anniversary of this podcast of of film franchise Fortnite's, I should say, of of the cult culture podcast. Be going a little bit longer than that, but it didn't really take off till I joined the team. Um, <laughs> And so uh, the last couple of years, you might remember, we did a redux of an earlier franchise we covered. The first time we did it in 2019 was Spider-Man, which we we were able to add a couple more films that had come out since we originally covered Spider-Man. And last year, we did the Freddy vs. Jason, which originally we covered all of A Nightmare on Elm Street and all of Friday the 13th and the crossover film Freddy vs. Jason. We covered that all in one episode, which was under an hour long. <laughs> it's, it's like three minutes per film, uh, which you know we're, we're just doing a two and a half hour podcast about uh, six films in the film in the Planet of the Apes franchise. So we thought we'd give it its due course and check that out. They're actually they're very good episodes of the podcast. I re-listened <laughs> to them recently, um, but we did an episode on Friday the Thirteenth, an episode on Nightmare on Elm Street, and then an episode about Freddy vs Jason and the two reboots of those franchises. So we thought we'd do it again, but the thing is we've opened up the voting this year to be any film franchise from our first year or our second year of the franchise where it used to just be our first year be um, very funny if a we, first year franchise is still the winner <laughs> yeah 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 um but what uh what we've been doing over the last week which you will have seen if you're already a patreon member is we divide these 38 franchises we covered in those first two years and we divided them up um, into groups and then had these little round robins of groups of nine to ten franchises uh, and then the four winners of those uh, went into a poll um, and hey 
this this is not coming out for quite a while after recording it there might be more than four there might have been a tie we didn't actually say what would happen if there was a tie in one of those but yeah if you go onto the patreon now uh you will see at least four film franchises that we will be covering after the reboot trilogy and you can go on there and have your say i know at least one of them is jurassic park the second one is probably it's probably x-men like, at this stage pr- yeah or twilight What's uh, i think i think x-men is has got the edge um it currently has the edge yeah. edge men edge men great stuff. oh no you're right oh no actually transformers is winning now transformers yeah um, but hey, that could all change by <laughs> tomorrow morning um, <laughs> to give you some very specific time as to when we're recording this. Um, but yeah, so uh, go along to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash uh where you can see what um, those, those four or maybe more franchises are that we will be covering for the second time yes and furthermore if you want to support cult pop show on all the other places we are on facebook instagram youtube there are two youtube channels one's called cult pop show one's called cult pop show again uh which is where we post this podcast we're also on twitter i'm on tiktok aj from cult pop show there's also cult pop show on tiktok but that is a abandoned channel (laughs) uh anyway um yeah and as we said we've got a discord and a patreon as well stay tuned for the post credit scene after this music stops and stay tuned for next week when we'll be covering rise dawn and war of slash for the planet of the apes let us know what you thought the best planet of the apes movie was and what you think of our opinions and um do you like us like like are we cool is that cool yeah mm. please please give us some validation well just give me validation aj gets so much validation. stop telling people this i have i literally <laughs> been to counselors because i don't have this like it's the, it's the defining oh, we've all been to counselors it's the defining AJ. like struggle of my life is not feeling validated and somehow you've got on this this vibe of telling people i don't need validation <laughs> well no that's the thing is that like you give off a vibe that you need it because i do need it so do i i'm not saying but with my cry for validation i am not invalidating your need for validation well i feel like that's the only way i can get it anyway i need validation (laughs) please give it a whole package of things we need to Welcome along, everybody, to the post credit scene. This is a segment brought to you by our Patreon at the end of the show where we ask our patrons who donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash copopshire to give us something to talk about. And this the post credit scene. And today's post credit scene, Richard, it comes from Ben Hayes. Hey, Ben. And he says, hey, guys, I was wondering how low budget slash indie are you willing to go for film franchise fortnights? For example, would you count the Channel Awesome anniversary movies as a viable franchise for the podcast love the show thank you ben we love you uh yeah, love you ben um or to that all i have to say is what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> channel awesome what, is like what a, the, like what YouTube, the fuck are you on about <laughs> youtube budget um youtube budget movies i guess 
I don't know. Yeah. I'm not actually familiar with this specific one. Uh, my gut yeah, instinct- channel, channel Awesome is where Nostalgia Critic is from. Right? Yeah, well, who's not exactly um, someone I want to watch, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I like I, I never got into Doug Walker, I believe his name is. Um, but now he's cancelled. I don't know. He's not. I don't think he's real cancelled. He's like, I don't know. I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. This is all to say my okay. my gut instinct is probably not. I don't think we'd do the Channel Awesome anniversary movies as a podcast. Uh, but hey, suggest it in the next franchise vote. See what <laughs> happens. I don't know. I, I, like we we would probably do. Is there more than one Smosh movie? Like people have suggested Fred, but these are movies well, that well, like. Well, Smosh is like these are like legitimate movies. Yeah, I these think are like YouTubers who have, who have lo- got like movie uh, honestly, like I don't know if you'd uh, maybe if you'd left more information, <laughs> like we could probably give them more. But um, yeah, like are these actual movies or are you just talking about like? Are these just quite long YouTube videos? Mm. Uh, are they compilations of YouTube? Give us more information, Ben. Um, like, like if these are legitimate movies, they have a narrative that, and they're they're over sixty minutes, say, and they have letterboxed profiles. That's kind of one of the main. That's kind of become one of the main things. Um, then I'd be inclined to say, like, yeah, I I don't know that, that we're necessarily going to add it to the mythical franchise list. Yeah. Um, but feel free to suggest it. If you get enough backing behind it, more power to you, man. <laughs> um, yeah, that, like, yeah, if a film doesn't have a letterbox page, which isn't like some holy fucking unachievable thing like every episode of black mirror has one it's not like it's supposed to just be for movies but there's a bunch of tv shit that has it and it's similar to imdb that is user submitted so you could just make one and then suggest it to us as a franchise i don't care but it makes ranking them so much easier if if it's on letterboxd and there's your answer, Ben. Hope that was satisfactory. Thank you for being a patron. <laughs> Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.